0: What's
1: up, night fans? Sons of UCF is proudly presented by the law firm of Gordon & Partners. Since 1993, Gordon & Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust, so contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly. If you have any legal needs or questions, visit their website, fortheinjured.com, or text 407-913-5350 to talk to Michael directly. Don't just trust anybody, trust the best, and trust a night. Gordon and Partners for the Injured. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports, with your distinguished host, Adam. Let's all get together and see who can solve the wordle the fastest.
0: And Mike. You know, last year, I think I said about 30 people in the UCF, Sons of UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50.
2: Now, here are the guys.
1: Hey, now, welcome back to the Sons of UCF. We are brought to you by Gordon and Partners. We are part of the 1012 Network, a part of the sports drink family of podcasts. My name is Adam. And as always, I have my good friend, UCF Mike, back for another week. Mike, que pasa, mi amigo? How are you?
0: I'm um, doing great, man. Another good weekend in the books. Um, we are now officially a baseball school, which is good to see. I mean, basketball season's winding down. Softball's gotten off to a okay start here and there. But baseball, looking nice. I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah. Again, this is episode 216, by the way, if I didn't mention that, if you can't read on your podcast player, Mike, and it's always interesting. We have to figure out what the lead story is when we do one of these shows each week. And we were just talking off air, not a lot going on in UCF land, but probably the biggest story, Mike was the baseball team. It's been a long time since I think have we ever led a show with baseball. I'm not even sure that's, this may be a first in the history of, uh, of the sons of UCF, but for good reason, the baseball team after getting just, just, Whomped at home against FAU goes to Clemson. Clean sweep, Mike. Break out the brooms. 4-2, 10-7, 13-6. We slept them so bad. We have their head coach crying about us, Mike. And we're running down the hill. It, this was a fantastic baseball weekend. Six and one for the Knights. Again, you you are always one that says, Hey, we start off hot. Let, let's, you know, let's let's simmer down a little bit. But how are you feeling now? Six and one after a sweep at Clemson.
0: Well, we have seen this before. We talked about it last week. You know, what was it uh, last year or two years ago where we sweep Ole Miss? I think they were number one in the country. We've swept – or we took two out of three from Ole Miss. We swept Auburn when they were a top 10 team a year or two ago. So we've seen us get off to these hot starts in baseball before, and we always, you know, fall for it like we do with the basketball team, and then conference play comes around, and, uh, you know, we're back to reality. But this team, I don't know – if. Does it feel a little different? Is the way we won these games, um, we put them away pretty well in the second, the last two games in the series, um, putting together some good at-bats, you know, comfortable wins, and I like the swagger that this team is showing. I They rubbed the Clemson coach the wrong way, but that's just my style now. I mean, it wasn't really my style when I was a playing myself, but now as a 42-year-old man, as a fan sitting back, I'm enjoying watching these kids have fun running down the hill, you know, Good for them. I think that was great for the team, and it's a great way to bounce back from that FAU loss, which was ugly on Tuesday. They, they brushed that off their shoulders, had a tough task ahead of them, and went down there and took care of business.
1: Ben McCabe and Tom Joston have just been unconscious at the plate. Mike uh, McCabe's hitting four twenty nine, five home runs, ten RBIs. Jostin three sixty four homers, eight RBIs. When we have um, we have our guy Stephen Branca on the live show, I mean, he was telling us that we have some professional, you know, veteran bats in the middle of this lineup that can make some noise. And he mentioned McCabe and Jostin specifically. Those two guys are a nightmare to get out right now, Mike.
0: Yeah, they're on fire. And um, who was – I think it was Brait on Saturday. yep. Went four for five. He raised his average. I think he went into that game hitting like 260-something and jumped it up to like 440 in just one day. So the numbers can be deceiving right now. It's so early. and so little at bats. But these guys are on fire. Um, And even when they're not hitting home runs, which they're doing plenty of, like I said, just quality at-bats taking a walk when, it, when they need to, just passing the baton to the next guy. Nobody's trying to do too much. you know. Romano with just a couple clutch base hits to give us a lead a couple times this weekend, um, you'd love to see it. And the pitching staff has been good without what everybody says is our top pitcher. Rudy Gomez, so well,
1: R- Rudy Gomez has been struggling a little bit too, Mike, but it hasn't really bit us. He's got a 466 ERA, but you know, hasn't really bit us so far in, in his, in his starts. He's the guy that again, Stephen Branca said he thought this guy had the best stuff on staff. And, and again, he's got a pretty, pretty lofty ERA, but hasn't really come back to bite us so far.
0: Right. Um, no. So, I mean, that first game, the Friday night game was a low scoring game. It got, you know, uh, there was a rain delay in there and then it gets, Uh, suspended and you have to finish it the next day and you know it's interesting to see the way teams react to things like that because that that could really mess up your routine baseball players are just creatures of habit when when something like that happens you know it could go one of two ways they could could answer the bell like they did or it could just you know blow up in your face and then it snowballs and maybe that's what happened to clemson i mean maybe that is exactly what happened to clemson you know they couldn't finish off that game friday saturday we get them right away you know, it's a tie game when we picked it up in the ninth. You know, if that thing stretches into extra innings, you, you play four or five innings and who knows, it changes things. It changes things with the pitching staffs. But We jump yeah. on them right away. We win in the ninth. And then, you know, we're hot to start the, the, the Saturday game. We take a, a nice lead there. They come back and tie it. But we put them away there late in the game. And then we do the same thing. Same recipe on Sunday. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't want to get too excited too early. But I'm a little excited. Maybe it's just because I need something. Like, we know we're not going dancing in basketball, right? Softball team, like I said, hasn't been great. We need something. The baseball team has me excited at least for the first, what has it been, seven games?
1: Uh, yeah, six and one,
0: yep. So uh, I'm going to run with it for now. We're a baseball school, which is what we should be. I mean, playing in Florida. When we were in school, our baseball team was very good. I think that was probably the best years of baseball we had. That was 2001, one, two thousand. 2000 2001 teams, you know Jason Arnold, uh, you know those guys, just throwing gas every night on the mound. Those were fun teams to watch. Those were fun games to go to. And if this team can do that, you know I think it would be a, a it's a fun night out. Go watch the baseball game.
1: What if I told you this, Mike? 18 of our next 20 games are at home. That's we start, We actually we actually start a stretch right here. We're not gonna we're not gonna leave. Um, we go to Bethune here on Tuesday. After that. Friday, March 3rd through um, Sunday, March 19th, we're at home. We go one road game, a Tuesday game against uh, against North Florida, three at home uh, for Maryland, one uh, mid-road game, and then three at home for the cows. So by April 2nd, we'll have only left twice, and we won't have left the state of Florida because we'll be at North Florida and FAU. So it's a pretty favorable schedule that sets up here for UCF. Do you think... Will people support the baseball team? Like, obviously, it, it hasn't really been a thing the last couple of seasons, right? Um, softball's kind of taken a little bit of that that mantle, if you will, around the most exciting program. We know basketball hasn't really had a good run. Do you think people will support the baseball team? If we start off on a hot streak, do you think we'll see a packed John Yuliano Park, you know, night in and night out, and people cheering for the baseball team?
0: Yeah, people love winners, and that's all this is. If we're a hot team, if we creep into the top 25 – And you can make it a fun night out. I think people like sitting in the outfield. I know they changed the fence and everything, but people like sitting out there on their trucks, drinking beer, watching a ball game on a Friday night. I think people will get into it. And especially if you have a winner on your hands and a team that's fun to watch like they are, and a team that hits home runs, which we know the chicks dig the long ball. These guys are doing that. They're pitching. They're doing it all. All you have to do is keep it going. And I think people will get behind this team. This is something that we haven't had in a while with baseball. Obviously, we've never made it to a Super Regional. There's things there. It's like basketball, the team in 2018-19. It was always, hey, we've been to the tournament a couple of times. But we've never won a game. How excited was everybody to see us beat Virginia Commonwealth? And it was like the greatest thing ever. We're in the tournament. We're winning the game. Imagine if this team can go to a regional and win it. How excited would it be? this whole fan base be for a a best two out of three game series to go to the college world series against Miami or, you know, the Gators or something. We'd be jacked up to see something like that. So I think the fans will support it as long as they're winning.
1: I need to know if I owe um, John Rice Plumley an apology. And on a previous episode, I basically said, Hey, I don't know if this guy's any good at baseball. I don't know if it's too early to call yet, Mike. He's hitting 318. He hit his home run the other night. So he's got one home run. He's only got four RBIs. Uh, he's stolen five bases, so five for five. Made a couple of nice plays in center field, Mike. He made a really uh, robbed a, a home run, made another nice catch running up the hill that isn't a warning track, which is odd, by the way. Um, a couple of nice plays in the outfield. Do I owe John Rice Plumley an apology? Is he? Is he a good baseball player, Mike?
0: He's looking good right now. <laughs> He's looking good. Um, that home run the other day was nice. The play that he robbed. what yeah, What is with that outfield, by the way?
1: He yeah, has no running track. I don't understand.
0: There's really. no running track, and it goes uphill. That seems like an injury just waiting to happen, a twisted ankle or something. I, I don't understand it. Um, but that didn't stop him from making those two plays. He made a play on Friday night that was very nice going up the hill, and then he made that one to rob the home run he looks like a pretty solid ball player, you know, and he's got the speed. Speed never goes in slumps. You always say that about baseball players. So if he can get on base, if he can work a walk, or even if he wasn't in the lineup and he came in to pinch run, he's a weapon and you can use him defensively in center field. He can hunt balls down all over the place. We've seen it already. That goes a long way in baseball. you know. If you're solid defensively up the middle and he is that in center field, that's half. That's half of what you need. You know, let the other guys bang home runs, but he's doing that too. So, so far through seven games, he's looking like a good ball player.
1: Okay, so right now I should I should write the apology note out, but I'll write it in pencil in case I need to erase it or put some put some other language in there.
0: Is There'll there a, a slump at some point? He's going to go I'm- zero for eight, or you know, zero for a week, and then you're going to sure. jump on him again. <laughs> but you know. Well, let's see how am I though.
1: I don't I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this, Mike. Here, here's something interesting. I, I don't I don't follow this closely, so I'll need you to you're the baseball guy around here. I need you to tell me this. Is there any chance Plumley gets drafted? I'm sure, there's a chance. He's, he's <laughs> over 21, so he's eligible. I think he's played he's played three years of college, uh, college baseball, even though not consecutively. I don't think that's the rule, though. He's over 21, so he's technically eligible for the for the draft. Is there is there a chance he gets drafted? And if he does. Does that make an interesting decision for him and football at that point? Does, do, you, do you think that that factors at
0: all, or
1: you know, because does he, does he try to figure out a way to maybe do both? Is is this
0: a possibility? It's definitely possible. And baseball has—I don't even know the number of rounds. It's like I just I, as rounds. I was
1: researching this, I believe they shortened the rounds, Mike. I believe it's shortened. I'll get you the exact number. So
0: it's like forty-three rounds. It's not that short still. I don't think. I The other was in the sixties, at least. I don't know what it is now, but there, that's a lot of players to be drafted. Somebody's going to see him as just the pure athlete that he is and say, I can make him into a, a good baseball player. And he has some tools. It is possible he gets drafted. How high he gets drafted, I don't know. I mean, Tom Brady, I believe, was drafted in, in baseball. You see it all the time. Uh, Drew Henson, another Michigan quarterback drafted by the Yankees. I mean, for him not to come back and play football, if that's your question, How high does he have to be drafted to consider it? I'd say probably top 10 rounds. And I don't know if he's going to get drafted that high.
1: This is according to MLB.com, which I assume would be a reputable source here. The draft will remain at 20 rounds.
0: Wow, they really cut back because (laughs) wasn't Mike Piazza like a 43rd round (laughs) draft pick or something crazy like that? Yeah.
1: 20 rounds is what this what this says here so i don't know i don't know if it's like football where then you can do like the undrafted free agent deal or however that works but yeah I, I, so fair so you, you say top if he's not a top 10 round pick plumley you know we, we're we're turning this cash down and we're 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 coming back to play so here's the other question i guess does he have he has one more baseball season at ucf too correct if he has one more football year He's got one more baseball year, correct? So he's got another season to play baseball at UCF, if I have my math right.
0: I would think. Right, baseball season comes after football season in the same calendar year, so it makes sense to me.
1: So in theory, he could say, hey, I'm whatever, I, if I get picked in the 19th round, you know, I'm going to roll the dice, play football. I'm going to come back next year, play another season at UCF, and maybe I can get the 16th round or 14th round. So in theory, he has an opportunity maybe to improve his draft stop, but – that's so top 10 round. That's I it's a, it's a, it's a scenario I didn't think about or plan for, but it'd be interesting if he got drafted, that would really be, um man, I think JP Gilbert is calling every MLB GM right now <laughs> and trying to be his agent, by the way, congrats to JP Gilbert and his, his lovely wife. Welcome to a, a new addition to the family. Um That'd be interesting if, if Plumlee gets drafted. I think we have to keep an eye on that. Mike. like, probably not.
0: Yeah. I mean, He's going to come back to play football. Let's just <laughs> say what it is. He's hitting ninth right now for us. It's not like he's the best hitter on this team. He let off. Hold on. I think he let off on Saturday. Yeah, I think he did one game. Um, Still. <laughs> I think was he the most is dismissive. Uh,
1: one game I've ever seen you, you say out loud. <laughs> yes, that's
0: fair. <laughs> yeah, I, was t- I think he, as the season, unless maybe he gets really hot, maybe he becomes the leadoff hitter and he has the speed. I can see that.
1: He's leading the team in stolen bases. All right. So, you know. This happens,
0: like I tell you, baseball, you can get hot. He can have, you know, a 10-15 game stretch where he's just on fire. He can go cold for 10-15 games, and then everybody's going to talk trash about him again. That's just the way the game is, I mean. So, um, you know, I, as long as he's helping this team win right now, the baseball team, that's all I care about. You know, I would love him to be out there practicing football, getting better as a quarterback, but right now it's baseball season. This is what he wants to do. Let him play baseball.
1: It was Steven Brink again on, on a previous live show said that he was told by somebody who scattered that area that John Rice Plumlee was the best athlete on the Ole Miss baseball team, right? That he wasn't he, their best player, quote unquote, wasn't playing when Plumlee wasn't there. So we'll see. What if he gets injured on that, Mike? Uh, I was thinking about that after I saw him rob that that touchdown, uh, that touchdown, that that home run. Like he he landed on that hill, like that's a that's a twisted ankle waiting to happen. Like how pissed off do you think Gus is going to be if for some reason JRP gets injured playing baseball? And do you think that impacts JRP's ability to be Gus's QB one if if he's injured or can't take reps or isn't able to play for a while?
0: Oh yeah, I mean he could be diving for a a fly ball and you know land wrong on his wrist, and all of a sudden he can't throw for the next six months. That'd be a big problem.
1: Well, I mean, why? He just runs. We're good, <laughs> unless he's going to come back like Henry Roen throwing darts. I don't. I feel like if he can't, he can't throw. That actually may be to our advantage. I don't know. All
0: right. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's definitely something that Gus is probably you know wincing every time a, a ball hits a center field or every time he tries to steal second base and dives head first. So, um, it's something to keep your eye on. But you know he's a 20 what how old is he 21 22 year old kid sure he's gonna you know get his bumps and bruises he, he'll be fine i we we saw him dive in the end zone against fau and do a complete flip you know getting hit in the head and he bounced straight up off that so i think he's a pretty tough kid overall
1: by the way one of those games i think it was the friday game i saw him miss the cutoff man by like five feet <laughs> so that's uh <laughs> that throwing thing doesn't necessarily uh uh, doesn't necessarily hold itself only to uh, to football, Mike. But um, so more to more to check out with baseball. Hopefully, again, we can go on a run here, Mike. Basketball is not on a run. Uh, they are in a run, although we beat Tulsa. It seems like everybody beats Tulsa now. Uh, so two games left on the season, and then we're going to the American Conference tournament, Mike. Where are you at with the with 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 basketball at this point? We have to win the tournament, obviously, to, to do anything. I assume that you have very low expectations that we're going to pull
0: that off, right? But I believe as the seating stands today. We're the sixth seed, that's correct. and we would play Tulsa again in the first round, right? Yep. So you would think that's a win. I mean, it's a team we just handled easily twice. Um, so you could win that game, and then you're playing against who? The four seed, or I mean, the five seed, or who would we play next? I think uh, we'd be the, the six, top so five. Probably, has guys, nice, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, for the tie, yeah, probably the probably the four or five. I guess depending on who else wins, right? If there's an upset.
0: Is it does it change like the uh, if the uh, the 10 seed wins, they automatically play the one or is it locked in in advance? So actually, what do we play Houston in that next game?
1: You're asking a lot of questions. I don't have the answers to Mike, but <laughs> I'm going to look that up for you right here and figure out how uh, how that bracket worked last year. Let me let me take a look. I, think, here.
0: I don't think it, 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 it fluctuates like I think it's set. Houston plays the winner of whichever matchup whether it's the the five or the 12 or whatever last
1: year, uh, first round eight played nine, 10 played seven, six played 11. Um, and then one played eight, five played four, two played 10, three played six. So so, last year's matchup was number 10, Tulsa versus number seven, Wichita. They, I think that that assumption would have been that Wichita would have won, but SMU, who was the two seed, still played Tulsa. So, it's it's static and you play obviously so tulsa was gonna or smb was playing the winner of the 710 right so in theory so, if we're this if we're the sixth seed we're gonna play the winner of we'll play the um, three seed yeah the winner of the, the basically play the three seed correct
0: which is who right now it's not so you avoid houston you avoid memphis right yes and then you would get who
1: that's a great question. <laughs> I wish I'd known this in advance. <laughs> I need
0: you to know the standings or the table, as you call it, as a soccer fan. I mean, I know Houston. A- <laughs> uh, I
1: don't think I've ever used the word table. I mean, it's very possible, but um, let me let me let me get you the standings. Oh, my am Tulane I'm
0: right now. Tulane, yeah. It's
1: Tulane, yeah, it is Tulane. Right.
0: And we played an okay game against Tulane at Tulane. I believe that's the only time we played them this year. It was one of those teams that we only played once. Yeah. Um. And it was, it was a close game there. And it kind of.
1: 77 69, Tulane victory.
0: Yeah, I think they had a few free throws there at the end, but it was a one possession game late. And that was an
1: odd one. That was coming off of the Memphis win, double overtime. I feel like somebody was injured, although it's always, always somebody's injured. Now we, I think we missed somebody in that game
0: that didn't play, that was supposed to play. Um, but you'd rather them, after you beat Tulsa, you'd rather play Tulane than play Memphis or Houston next, right? So if you win that game, then all of a sudden maybe there's an upset somewhere along the line and you you don't have to see Memphis or Houston until the championship game. You only have to play one. I don't know. Uh, I'm
1: confused what's up. happening here because now you have us in the third round of the tournament. I'm <laughs> confused because you didn't have us winning a game all year, and now we're in the third round of the tournament. How did we get there?
0: I'm not saying that's going to happen. Okay. I'm trying to figure out a way for us to have hope. This is uh, This is it. We need to play Tulsa the first round. We need to then avoid Houston and Memphis all the way to the final if we're going to get there. Um, And then even then it's still not looking good. So we're not going to make the tournament. We're probably not going to make the NIT. Basketball season is basically over. We have two games left and then the tournament games. Um, It is what it is.
1: 16 and 12 right now I know uh, a lot of people were curious on your Johnny Dawkins take I know the uh, the cows game was on Wednesday we did a live show Thursday trace censored you by putting basically wall to wall guests and giving us no time to talk <laughs> about Johnny Dawkins Mike so the floor is yours. Johnny Dawkins, obviously a 16-12 and team, 7-9 and in conference, um, got swept by the cows, the last game in the foreseeable series between us and the cows, uh, lost at home, obviously back-breaking losses back-to-back to to Memphis and Cincinnati. B.J. Taylor says he's the guy, Mike. Where's UCF Mike at with Johnny Dawkins? Is he still your coach?
0: No. No, I said that following that South Florida game. When we got swept by them for the first time in 30 years, uh, that was the end of the line for me. And I probably was done with it before that, but that was just the final nail in the coffin. Um, this team has not improved as this season has gone on. This team has not improved. In fact, it's gone backwards in the last four seasons. We are below 530, now 31 and 39 in conference play in the last four years. That's just not good enough. In a conference, that's really not that good of a conference. Every year has two good teams and mm-hmm. about eight mediocre teams. So he has not done enough in my eyes. He has... His best years are with Donnie Jones's players, hmm. and he has not. I know he brought in Taylor Hendricks, but he has not built this roster to have sustainable success the last three, four seasons. And that's just this is a results game. BJ Taylor, his answer was, he is the the guy that to for to young men turn young men into men, and you know they become better people after they leave that's fine that's, that sounds like my description of me as a 10 u softball coach last week when i said yeah i want the girls to have fun and learn the game and then you want to play softball again you, and, and be good kids that's not what college basketball is about this is these are the big boys this is the big leagues you're getting paid millions of dollars you're pay, it's just the results win or lose and right now he's lost more than he's won in, in conference play anyway which is what matters and he hasn't taken us back to the tournament he hasn't I mean, we went to the NIT. Was that his first season here we went to the NIT or his second season here? I think so. I think it was first year. And then what? You know, without Taco, without BJ and Chad Brown and all those guys that were here under Donnie Jones, what has he done? And the answer is a whole lot of losing. Losing and, you know, 500 seasons, which is just not going to cut it.
1: So I'll uh, I, I checked in with some people that would normally know these things. So I, th- this is what I know as of right now, today, February 27th. This obviously could change, but as I was told right now today, Timo does not have any plans to get rid of Johnny Dawkins. Right? That's the that's the that's the rumor right now. That's the that's the prevailing thought is that he has no plans to make any any coaching change right now. Again, that could change. We could get blown out these last two games, and maybe there's enough a big donor could come in and say, "Hey, I want to I want to you know." pony up some money, let's make some changes. So, But as of right now, it sounds like Timo does not have the mind of, uh, of getting rid of Johnny Dawkins. Like I've, I've tried to walk the fence here, Mike, um, because I agree that Johnny Dawkins might be the nicest human being on Earth. But the problem is, at some point, we have to also start winning basketball games. I think the only challenge is... This isn't just a Johnny Dawkins problem. We have multiple other issues within basketball we have to solve. But sometimes issues get solved by making a change, right? You have to do something. You have to make a commitment. To me, if Johnny is not your coach long term, right, two bad things happen. One, he's a lame duck. So who wants to come play for a lame duck coach? He's got two years left in his deal. So if we don't extend him soon, he's going to be playing on an expiring contract, right? Now, I guess it's, it's different in college basketball nowadays where people are one year anyway, but who's coming to play for a coach who's only got one year left in his contract, right? And if you're a coach, why do you want to coach on that, right? Why don't go to Timo and go, hey, man, like let's extend me so I can do some stuff here, right? So at some point, a decision is looming with Johnny Dawkins. Let me ask you an honest question, Mike. Do you think Johnny Dawkins can win with us, for us next year in the Big 12? no. Do you think any any coach right now with the roster we have can win for us next year in the Big 12?
0: Not with the roster right now. No.
1: So either way, we're looking at a rebuild, right? We're looking at probably a really tough year in the Big 12. My only, cons- my only, you know, concern here is why not just rip the bandit off now? We're going to have to hit reset if it's not now. It's in two years when his contract is up, or maybe one year. Right? What are we waiting for? One year? What? What consistency? People keep saying, "Well, we want consistency going to the Big 12." We're going to suck either way, right? So if if we're not aligned that Johnny's the long-term answer, then why make him a lame duck coach? Rip the bandaid off, figure out who the next guy is, get him in here and figure out how we go forward, right? Build off of that. What I don't want to do is just be I don't want to be the Dallas Cowboys. I don't want to be 88 every year and being like, eh, is this year Jason Gary is fired? Is this year he doesn't get fired? If it's not the guy, he's not the guy. Let's pull the bandaid off and move forward. I know other things have to change, right? We have to have some more money in the program. We have to have better facilities. We have to not get stranded at every airport in the middle of the country. I get all that. And a lot of people own that responsibility. But if he's not the guy long term and we, and we know we're going to struggle, why, why wait? What's the argument by waiting a year so we can have some continuity going to the Big 12? I don't understand that.
0: No, that continuity is just a cover up for so we don't have to pay as much of a buyout. Probably we save and that's the thing.
1: And, and again, like I get that's the thing. Like We're going to have to pony up a couple of million dollars to get rid of Johnny Dawkins. Right. That's that's a lot of money. I assume we have a surplus. I don't know how much. I don't know if Timo wants to allocate money to that, but I understand that that's a lot of money. But then basically at that point, you're telling the fans like, hey, I don't. Basketball is not really a priority for me, right? And that's what sucks is people like like you and I who are diehard UCF fans, right? I'm more of a basketball guy than you are. We're basically being told by our administration, like, hey – we're not really prioritizing basketball. You know, we hope we throw the balls out. We win a couple of games, have some excitement, but yeah, we're not really prioritizing it. Right. And that sucks because just like you felt about baseball for all those years. And now you're finally getting that opportunity to see a winning product. We haven't seen that in basketball for a long time. And that's the thing that's really crappy is a lot of people from Danny white, Danny white skates on all this, but he had opportunity to set some of this stuff up when he was there. Right. Um, Terry Mohajer, Johnny Dawkins, you know, board of trustees, whoever donors, all of us fans, alumni who don't go to games. We all have a hand in this, but no one wants to step up and make a change and we're just going to continue status quo. And, and that's, that's the thing that kind of pisses me off is everyone says, Oh, you can't fire Johnny. Well, then what's our plan? We're just going to keep sucking. We're going to hope one day he, we don't get, have everybody injured. We're going to hope one day we get that great recruit. Like that's a unicorn, man. That's, and that, and that's the thing that's frustrating mostly about the basketball situation.
0: And I believe Johnny gets a raise going into the big 12. So if we, and if you don't buy him out, You're still going to have to pay him, I think, $800,000 more anyway because in his contract says if he's the coach when we go to the Big 12, he gets a bump in pay. So, I mean, and you, you talk about the roster we have now. Yeah, I don't think it's good enough in the Big 12. But you bring in a coach who, with the transfer portal, somebody that can change the roster over in one year it takes. In college basketball, it's not football. You don't need to change 40 guys. You need to change four. (laughs) <laughs> you know, give me four or five good players to go along with some of the guys we have now. And all of a sudden, maybe you do have a good, uh, a good basketball team. And one guy, one big name coach could get people excited, could talk some big name prospects into coming. And, uh, you know, you're not going to go in and win the Big 12 right away, but you you don't have to. You can be in eighth place in the Big 12 and make the tournament. And if you get the right coach in here, I think that's possible.
1: Yeah. And well, and that's, the other, is, is you know, who do we replace somebody with, right? Like I, I, I love Rick Patino, but he's going to have others. I don't love Rick Patino, I guess. should say. The idea of Rick Patino is, is is appealing, but he's going to have other suitors better than us, right? Dusty made FAU is a great, a hot, you know, young coach name, right? He's going to have other opportunities, right? Old Miss mm-hmm. just canned their coach, presumably to get in front of the line to hire somebody else, right? So you're not going to get, probably these big name guys, right? Um, Chris Beard, maybe he's out there. Again, I don't know what his situation looks like, but the odds of us landing with these big name guys. But again, I said this on the live show, UCF's always been a little bit about scrappiness, right? We're always gonna do a little bit more with a little bit less, right? We always have to kind of outperform our budget, outperform our means. And we've seen that happen from time to time with coaches and and teams. And I think the argument of like, well, we can't do that because we don't have any money. Well, you get money by having a winning product, right? you, you win games, you put butts in seats, they buy merch, they buy all this other stuff. And that's how you kind of get the, get the ball rolling. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't get the whole uh, argument of like, well, let's just, you know, let's just do nothing. Right. And, and no one's going to show up and we're going to be in the exact same boat, like try something new, find a young coach, get a new system in here. Maybe we're three and D right. We're we're running the, the Phoenix suns, 27, you know, offense, who knows, Mike, but I think just doing nothing just it just feels super apathetic to me.
0: Yeah, and then they, you know, they want to just kick the can down the road another year, and then they can still have that excuse of, you know, it's not Johnny's fault. It's the, uh, it's not enough donations. And look, the the competition has gotten that much better. What did you guys expect? We, of course, we weren't going to win. The, uh, I'm tired of the excuses, and it's been a different excuse every year for the last five years. Enough is enough. Uh, I'm sorry. I I like Johnny. I really do like. I the yes, one sorry. time I met him, he was the nicest human I've ever met. You know, he was great. He was great to my daughter that was there with me. I wish he would have been here for another 10 years winning and taking us to the tournament but I you know what's going to happen 1 month from now not even in a few weeks you know I already got an email from my buddy to join the March Madness pool I, another year of, of filling out these brackets without a UCF team in it. it sucks it sucks I've gotten to do it once in the last what 15 years I want want to see UCF's name in the damn bracket pool. I want to pick them to win a couple games. I want to to be excited on March 17th on a Thursday afternoon to watch these other games. And then, hey, we played Friday night. I mean, how awesome was that? We played Friday night. You have two days of games. I'm into all the games when we're in the tournament. When we're not in the tournament, yeah, I fill out a bracket. And, you know, I, I watch Thursday. By Friday, I'm done with the tournament. But, I mean, I want to be hyped about it again. it sucks that we're never in it.
1: I feel like we owe the audience uh, uh, some finality here, Mike, because every day, every time we're on the show, we do this. We always say someone's the nicest human I've ever met. Can I get your top five nicest humans from UCF? Because last week we said it was Daryl Mack, by the way. We always say it's Johnny Dawkins. Our interview tonight with Anthony Montalvo, he may be one of the nicest humans I've ever met. We may need a top five list of the nicest humans from UCF we've ever met because there's so many options on there.
0: Oh, yeah. Of all the interviews we've done, I mean, every kid that we've had, I haven't, I can't tell you one time we got off the interview and me and you were like, man, that guy was a jerk. (laughs) What the hell? Um, What was that guy calling? Did we have one of those? I don't even know. Basically, everybody was nice. Even George O'Leary was nice to us. You love George. I
1: know you and George. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: So we've had a lot of nice human beings, but Johnny is, I mean, he's just a plug in person. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> i don't dispute that i just i feel like every week we say someone's the nicest you know, human we've timo, ever
0: met. timo was really nice to me too that day um i can you might not be so nice to you it. now i
1: don't know maybe yeah i don't maybe we have to check back in and see where you are on timo's top five list
0: <laughs> i haven't said many bad things about timo i think he's okay with me um i i defend him i defend him playing that song all the time so
1: which which ucf coach do you think hates you the most Assuming that they listen and consume the shows, which UCF coach you think oh, they
0: listen to these shows? If we did a show during the O'Leary era, he would never have come on this show. <laughs> I said some things about George to probably you and some other people, and probably whoever was sitting in my section during those years. That uh, I, I don't even know if I can repeat them. <laughs> <laughs> they were bad. I said a lot of bad things about George O'Leary, but. Mm. That night against in the Fiesta Bowl against Baylor, I took it all back. I uh, won around. It was not. It was not called the then then. It was called uh, a public house. And I told everybody that listened to me, I take it all back. I'll do anything for O'Leary. He's the man. And I just went on this rant of how much I love them. And I and I said some other things. And I'm not going to repeat this to, on this show either. But um, <laughs> things I would do. But <laughs> but. The um, uh, coaches that are on staff now, if they listen to this show, which one wouldn't like me the most? Probably Dawkins, because he's probably the yeah. one that I've said needs to go. I haven't said that Gus needs to go yet. If he had lost that game to South Florida, though, I tell you what, he, the hot seat would have started warming up. <laughs> he blew that 28-point lead or whatever it was in the second yeah. half, and we didn't yeah. make the conference championship game. Uh, that would have been a big one. After losing to Navy the week before, he just skated by on that one um love lady has been on off the hot seat right now nothing bad to say about love lady okay um the other sports i, I don't really get too fired up about it we joke around about how volleyball you know in the playoffs <laughs> yeah do it in the playoffs but uh, come on i didn't really it doesn't bother me one way or the other <laughs>
1: well i'm glad i'm glad you're unbothered by the way Mike. also softball nine and eight to start not the not the best start a huh? L- little bit b- uh behind their pace from last year pitching seems to be a problem we got uh we got run ruled, uh, uh versus Louisville this weekend. But uh, uh, another tough tournament coming up, Mike. Uh, Fresno, Michigan, UCLA um, amongst the teams Ooh. we're playing. We're going to be out west in California. So.
0: UCLA was like number one or number two, I think.
1: Uh, not ranked right now, if I'm reading well, this correct.
0: I thought they saw they were like – <laughs> how did I see they were one or two and not be – like one of those couldn't be right.
1: It's not showing on the UCF schedule, but maybe it's just not updated here.
0: Because I thought I saw a matchup of UCLA versus Oklahoma last weekend or something. It was like one versus you did.
1: two. You did. I I had to pick that for my 10 12 softball picks.
0: And was it not one versus two?
1: I didn't look. I just, meety, meety, mony, mo. Hence why I'm in last place.
0: <laughs> Which, how do yeah? When did they approach you to start picking softball games? And how did you not pick a uh, go yeah. to Elo and get the the picks from him?
1: Yeah. You know, I thought about going to a ringer, right? it, it uh, Actually, the Bruins were number one. They lost to Oklahoma, who was number two. So.
0: Really? See, I know what I'm talking about. Why did you come to me? All right, That's- you
1: you may be it. I will I will let you know when I get the text <clears throat> that they need this week's picks. I will forward that right over to you, and you can you can pick some winners. I don't. There's really nothing going on. I don't think this is for like money or anything. I think it's just bragging. Like we're the we're the the ten twelve network softball experts. All
0: right. so. Uh, experts. So you're included in this list of experts. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm only one game out
0: though. By the way, one <laughs> so game what out does from that say about everybody else. <laughs> one game
1: out from uh, from third place. I'm one game out. The, the top two are like two games ahead of all. How many people? Four. Ah, uh, there's four. Yeah, <laughs> all right, so the four one third. Yeah, right, but nothing. you you are. I'm gonna uh, pinch pinch hitter for the the next ten twelve. Um. um Softball rankings. UCF Mike will be in there. Uh, a couple of housekeeping items, Mike. We've been forgetting to do some stuff. Uh, if you're watching on video, which you probably won't because I'm not sure I'll put this on video, but the Anthony Montalvo interview, which is coming up next, I'm wearing a shirt that I got from Homefield Apparel. Mike, we still have our special with Homefield Apparel. 15% off if you use the code SUNS12 at checkout, right? Um, a couple of UCF shirts are still on there. You need some summer wardrobe stuff. Again, these are really super comfortable, Mike. Soft shirts, really nice shirts. Again, SUNS12 at Homefield apparel 15 percent off if you want to go there and uh, you want to hang out with that too I'm like, i think we'll have some stuff happening soon with our friends at price pick so stay tuned for that we had a lot of fun with price picks uh, last time around so we'll catch up on that and don't forget about urban nooks and drew Bellani. they take it to the house moment of the week which is probably one of the baseball home runs uh drew and that team have you squared away if you need anything from real estate perspective 407-456-3226 drew is an alumnus he's a shareholder He's a volunteer. Um, He bleeds black and gold. He loves UCF. He will take care of you if you have real estate questions. Drew Bellani, Urban Nooks, 407-456-3226. Mike, after this little interlude here, we're going to bring on Anthony Montalvo, which he might be one of the nicest people I've ever met, Mike. He (laughs) may be on that top five list. I don't know. Yeah, he's up there. All right, he's up there. And if you want to hear why, uh, just stick around after the break where the Sons of UCF are brought to you by Gordon and Partners.
0: This is UCF Athletic Director Terry Mahajer, and in my spare time, when I'm not on TikTok, I'm listening to Adam and Mike on the Sons of UCF. Go Knights and charge on.
1: All right, interview time again, Michael. This time we have a very large man who at one point in his career actually played with an entire club over his hand, which I got to imagine is tough, particularly because he's a defensive lineman. He started at UCF in 2017, wrapped up his last season here in 2022, a big part of the Knights defense, and uh, an overall nice guy to, uh, to know. Mr. Anthony Montalvo Jr. is our guest on the show this evening. Uh, do you let call Anthony, Tony, Monty? What do you want us to call you?
2: You can just call me Anthony.
1: Anthony it is. All right, Anthony Montalvo Jr. has officially joined us on the show. So first off, man, hope all is well. Thank you for taking some time to, uh, to hop on the show with us tonight. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start here. I like to ask this question off the gate. How did you end up at UCF? Right, you're a kid. If I read correctly, you're from New York, from from that area. You you moved down to Tampa, uh, and then you decide to to come to UCF. How did I, How did that all happen for you?
2: Um, I had met a coach, uh, Coach Shank. He came here. He's an alumni. Um, he played for the Vikings, and uh, you know he's a big UCF guy. You know he loves UCF, and um, I went to the. thing. we had an East West like bowl, you know, for high school, my senior year, and I met him and. He kind of just brought me to UCF and got in contact with some of the coaches. So I got a PWO to come here.
1: Yeah, so you you came as a walk-on, correct? So how was that choice? Did you you have any offers outside of UCF to maybe get scholarship-wise? How did you decide to come to UCF as a walk-on versus maybe taking an offer someplace else?
2: So I didn't have any, like, big D1 offers. I had, like, NAIA, maybe Division three. I think I had one Division II that was up north. I wanted to stay in Florida. Um, so, you know, when Coach Shank came and showed me UCF and they offered me a PW, it was kind of like a no-brainer that I wanted to stay. You know, I knew that I can play in a Division one league. So, you know, I chose UCF.
0: You came on as a – you were on the scout team in 2017, obviously the perfect season. We said the same question to Daryl Mack last week. What was that like? going through that whole season, you know, first year in college football?
2: Uh, first year, like I kind of expected, you know, I wasn't expecting to make a huge impact. I Obviously, as a walk-on, you know, they don't know who I am. So I knew I was going to be on scout team. You know, I had a couple players that, um, you know, went to college before I did, and I talked to them. And, you know, I understood my role, and that was the biggest thing, was kind of just coming in and, you know, putting my role, putting the team first, um, which was on scout team. So it, it was fun. Uh, 2017, we had a lot of fun. You know, it's not as grueling as, you know, some people say it can be, you know, when you only have three defensive linemen um, <laughs> rotating in and there's no breaks. But, you know, the offensive line, they know and they take care of you and you guys take care of each other. So that's the best thing.
0: I'm sure that worked out with the ladies, at least, right? You tell them you're on the football team as a freshman, and the team's <laughs> undefeated, that didn't hurt
2: uh personally i'm not uh, you know i didn't really do any of that I'm, I'm a quiet kid you know i sit in the back of the class i get my homework done and i leave um you know when you have Mackenzie milton that's that's all who they focus on you know what i mean they they yeah. Were
1: asking,
2: yeah i can't do that for you that's
1: fair.
0: <laughs> all right but in 2018 coaching changes right so hikeable comes in you walked on under frost now all of a sudden new head coach are you concerned maybe hey do i still have a spot on this team
2: uh yeah I was concerned, obviously, that, you know, it's my first time that's happened. You know what I mean? I didn't know what was going on. Um, I wasn't kind of expecting anything or, you know, just kind of just going with the flow and seeing what was going on and seeing what was happening. Um, I just knew that I needed to at least show them, like, hey, I can play. You know I mean? Get my name out there and, let, you know, tell them, hey, keep me around. You know I mean? That was the biggest thing.
1: Obviously, a lot of success in 2017. 2018 was just as good, right? We go and defeat a regular season go to the fiesta bowl but how are those teams different anthony obviously uh, different staffs different styles of play how are those two teams different if you compare 2017 to 2018 i would have to
2: say player wise uh 2017 was just different you know the guys had this switch where you know they can play around they can mess around and then that switch turned on where it was time to work you know what i mean 2018 i felt like there was still like there's a switch there from the guys that you know played in that 2017 team um but obviously, you know things get out of hand sometimes with kids playing around, not paying attention. You know what I mean? But it, I, I like you said, we went undefeated, so it worked. You know, it's just a different mythology that went too into it.
1: All right, name names. Who was the class clown then? Who was the guy who's always getting caught?
2: Oh man, uh, like D line wise, they, were, they we had a, we had, a, you know, it was the freshman that came in that kind of, you know, I, I don't want to name names, but there it was a couple freshmen that came in that were the class clowns. You know what I mean? Trying to make a name. Okay.
1: For them. All right, I'll search up 2018 freshman in a second here. Uh, one of the biggest changes, obviously, that year is, is new defensive coordinator in Randy Shannon. He brings a different style of system. How would you describe Randy Shannon? He didn't really talk to the media. He didn't seem like he was one who really enjoyed talking to the media. So we didn't get to know him very well. Obviously, he had a pedigree coming from Miami and Florida before that. Describe Randy Shannon for those of us who never really got a chance to know him, understand him.
2: Um, meeting him, obviously he's a quiet guy, but he's very like straightforward. So he's going to tell you, you know, what you need to hear, which is always great. You know, in every sports, you know, team, you need somebody like that. Um, his play calling was, you know, I don't want to be vulgar, but, you know, hanging nuts out there was kind of his, you know, play calling where, you know, he's going to blitz you. He's going to do it every time. You're going to know it's coming and he's going to tell you, you need to stop it, which is, you know, if you have the players, it's perfect. You know what I mean? So that, that's the biggest thing, um obviously like you said he wasn't you know talking to the media but he talked to the players a lot you know kept everything in-house you know what i mean which is also great
1: did you did you like that style The that hang your nuts out there and go blitz was that something that as a defender that you were like all right this is me i can i can roll with this
2: oh yeah yeah as a defender, like depending on the position i mean he he was a you know the linebacker's coach but he also like he kept the d-line in mind you know you have some defensive coordinators that you know they're around their position. He was more oriented around the D line. So obviously like with the play calling, he kept us in mind and that was like a perfect thing for us.
0: I know the offense was quick under Frost, but when Hypo comes in, it's that much faster. You're going up against these guys in practice every day. Did you hate that going up against that every day? How how bad was practice under Hypo?
2: It definitely was, it was bad. You know, the 2017 offense, I was on scout team. So it was a little slower, obviously, during the season for them. Um, So say like spring ball with uh, Coach Heupel, it it sucked, you know, being inside the stadium where it's like close to 90-something degrees or 80-something degrees, and then, you know, they're doing fastball. It it, it got you out of breath, you know what I mean? (laughs)
0: Did you ever, I know that happened a lot against us during games, fake injuries, in practice. Do you ever just go down and say you got a cramp or something, to slow things down? (laughs)
2: uh you you know during practice yeah like there's been times where I was thinking about it where like you know I could fall right here and you know just kind of catch my breath I'm a very prideful person so I kind of just you know sucked it up and just kept going you know what I mean
0: all right so you started getting a lot of playing time there uh, in 2018 you played in seven games that year what was the biggest difference for you going from high school now playing division one college
2: I think the speed was the biggest difference you know going from high school you know playing with you know guys that are around my size or maybe even a little smaller who, you know, didn't get D1 offers and stuff like that, who are still good. It's just the speed. You know, obviously with Hypo's offense, it's fast. You know, high school, you don't have that. Um, You know, running backs being able to, like, split, you know, in the holes and get through and get out, like, quarterbacks being able to move, it's it's a lot different. Um, But you adjust over time.
0: Do you have any moment in practice where you said, oh, crap, somebody hits you differently and you said, man, this is not high school anymore?
2: Uh yeah so 2017 I had you know it's kind of like a welcoming present from uh the office alignment where I was running downfield and kind of gave me a little little crackback but it wasn't like a illegal crackback I just wasn't paying attention kind of like ran into him basically and I was like oh crap like this is this is college ball you know what I mean like I was expe- I wasn't expecting that at the time
1: do you ever plan revenge on that offensive lineman? Do you want to? Do you want to name him now? Do you plan revenge to get back at him at some point? Maybe a little hook and hold. Maybe grab something you're not supposed to anywhere on the line.
2: I tried to, but he was—he was, he was a lot bigger than me. You know what I mean? Uh, especially as a freshman, I came in at like two sixty-five, and he was like, you know, six-three, maybe three hundred pounds. So it was hard to get revenge. <laughs>
1: All right, well, 2019 comes around, it, and you, you after working hard for a couple of years, you cracked a starting lineup, or you get named a starter, you get a chance to kind of be out there. What do you think the coaches saw in you that you got that opportunity? What do you think you proved them, or how did you kind of carry yourself to make sure you got that opportunity?
2: I carried myself just being consistent. Um, all the coaches kept telling me the same thing, that, you know, you just had to be consistent. You know, we had players that, you know, were great. They understood the playbook, you know, so just me being you know, I don't want to say less talented or anything like that, but, you know, not on par with some of them, you know, because you had Kalia Davis. Kalia Davis is a monster. You know, you had KT. He's a monster. So you had a bunch of guys in front of me that would just you were know, great players. I just had to, you know, show my own role. Like, hey, I'm consistent. I can make plays. You know what I mean? I'm here when you need me. And, you know, I mean, like I, if you need this play done, I can do it. So,
1: Did you have a chip on your shoulder? Or did that kind of cause you a little bit of a little bit of a chip?
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, getting 2018, getting some playing time and feeling like, okay, like I really want to play. And then seeing, you know, everybody compete, you know, obviously you you naturally put a chip on your shoulder. You want to play, you want to, you know, make sure you're the guy, you know what I mean?
1: Well, 2019 also produces a viral a video. Everyone's seen it now, hopefully, of, of you getting uh, put on full scholarship, right? The team mobs you, they throw water on you. Really cool moment. I love seeing those kind of videos. But tell us about the what was life like as a walk-on? How much different is it? I mean, it, it, I know, obviously, there's there's difference in terms of uh, of scholarships and opportunities available to you. How different is it as a walk-on versus being a scholarship player?
2: <clears throat> so there there's a couple differences, obviously. You know, I'm paying for school as a walk-on. Um, our GPAs are different, you know what I mean. So I got to maintain a higher GPA. I, every school does that. Um, I think the biggest issue is just feeding yourself. You don't get fed, you know. Sometimes the teams, you know, the coaches will help you out. You know, I had you know a bunch of coaches bring me food, you know, from uh, the nutritional center. But you know, I think the biggest thing is just doing everything on your own and then going to practicing. You know, what I mean, there isn't you know a lot that. Uh, scholarship players have. There's like a couple differences, and those are really the main differences. Other than that, like being part of the team, like they welcome you. You're a part of the team. You're not separate. It's just paying for things. That's the biggest difference. It's hard.
1: Well, so as an athlete, how do you keep your weight up? How do you keep yourself conditioned when, to your point, you're not getting maybe the same meal plan or the same nutritional guidance as some of the scholarship guys are?
2: That you just. You got a plan for that so what i did personally you know my parents they helped me out they would give me a hundred dollars a week at least or maybe fifty dollars a week and i would go to walmart and this is one time when you know groceries weren't as expensive as that. but you know i would go to walmart and i would cook for the whole week so i'd go there i'll buy you know what i can make quick meals especially when you have classes you may have two classes a day you may not have classes all week but what i would do as soon as i'm done working out they would give me shakes so i would go home i would cook relax cook again so it's just constantly cooking and you could meal prep I wasn't one to really try to meal prep. I tried it, didn't work out, so I just kind of just cooked every day.
0: What was the go-to that- tuna sandwiches? A lot of tuna sandwiches.
2: Uh no. So peanut peanut butter and jelly. Um, those were the go-to. Uh, ramen was a go-to. Um, but you know, I also like I did like fish and rice. It was really simple. You just kind of like put it on the the skillet for two two minutes each side, and then you're pretty much done. So. Wow.
1: You should, you should put a cookbook out one of these days, Anthony. You should get, get the walk on cookbook out there. Maybe maybe make a, make a couple dollars off that.
2: Ah, that's a good idea. honestly. All
0: right. As a defensive lineman, what's the, I mean, you see these guys running in and off the field all the time. It looks like chaos, but you guys, is it scripted? Do you know, going into the game? Okay. I'm going to play in the second quarter, or is it kind of like series to series kind of thing where you guys figure it out on the fly?
2: It's a series of series. Um, you know, the starters, if you're not a starter, they started off, you know, like with uh, Coach uh he- not Coach but excuse me, Coach Mazan. The starters would start off the first two series, and after that, we rotated in. Um, with uh, Coach Burnham and Coach Heupel, it was just a series, a series thing. You know, he kind of just threw you in wherever and whenever, you know, just whenever he felt like it or when he whenever he saw a D-tackle get tired. Just, you know, we had a little signal where we could tap our helmet, tap our hip, or just, you know, kind of look at them like, hey, Coach, like, I'm exhausted. I need, you know, a little break.
0: Yeah. All right, that 2019 season, three really tough losses. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Tulsa. I, I mean, every one of them I want back. If you had to only pick one right now, which one would you want to play over again?
2: <sighs> Cincinnati. I felt like we we, you know – I felt like I had a decent game against Cincinnati, and I felt like I just kind of put everything out there, and I I really wanted that win really badly against Cincinnati, especially, you know, going to them, you know, beating them on their their field. So I think that's the biggest thing.
0: The defense played pretty well that night. I mean, they scored a defensive touchdown on us. You guys didn't give up that many points. The offense was kind of, I think, what let us down that day.
2: I mean, not pointing fingers, but, you know, sometimes (laughs) – at the up, you know, some slack, and offense had to pick up some slack. Um, I just wish the defense could, you know, we could have did a little more just to help the offense. You know, I mean, it's just it happens. It's football.
0: Well, how do you explain Tulsa though? I don't know. I still don't know what happened in that <laughs> game.
2: I, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I, <laughs> it, it just, they, I guess they were just better. They were just better prepared. You got to give them props. You know what I mean? Like you can't downplay them. They were a really good team. They had a really good offensive lineman. Uh, or not offensive line. Offensive line, man. Excuse me. They had a really good offensive line all together. Um, they were well organized. You know, the old line knew when we were moving. You know what I mean. So, it, it that kind of played into it. Like they knew our playbook. So, you know, not saying they had our playbook, but you know what I mean. They they studied our film, so they knew what we were gonna run.
1: Your first two years in college football, Anthony, you lose one game total, right? Obviously, we lose three games in that 2019 season. Was there any part of you that was, like, disappointed? Were you kind of like, man, I thought I was just going to win them all forever? Was there some part of you that was like, man, I can't believe I actually lost three whole games this season?
2: Yeah. no, I mean, I would say yes. We kind of got complacent a little bit. You know, talking to the guys that were there for 2017 as well, you know, we didn't expect we were going to win all of them. You know what I mean? Obviously, we wanted to win all of them. You know, we're going in confident, but you know, losing it was kind of a wake-up call. Like, okay, this is the reality of football that, you know, there are winners and there are losers, and you just, you know, it, it happens.
1: As one of the guys who was there in 17 and 18, right? Obviously, by the time 19 and, and 20 and, and 21 roll around, I mean, those guys cycle out, right? You're, you're the old head at that point, right? How much pressure did you and some of those guys feel to try to keep that like, culture alive, to keep that mentality alive when you walk in the locker room of 2019 and, you know, half the team is different than they were the year before, right? And 75% weren't there in 2017. How did you try to keep that culture alive, even though, you know, you and only a handful of guys were part of those, those 18 and 17 years?
2: So, I mean, that's a good question. It's kind of hard to keep that culture alive as guys cycle through, Um, you know, everybody has their different personality. Everybody has their, you know, different beliefs and stuff like that on how a team should be run. Obviously with three coaching staffs, you know what I mean? You know, every coach had their different way of coaching and different way of handling situations. Um, I felt like there wasn't a lot of pressure, honestly, just because that 2017-2018 team, the guys that came in, that 2019 team, they're like, okay, you know, they went undefeated. They only lost one game. I want to be like that, so let's just kind of buy in. Obviously, as time goes on, you know, the mojo or everything just shifts and changes. Um, But, you know, it was me say Alex Ward, Sam Jackson, you know, kind of the old heads that were there. So, I mean, you you can ask them the same question. And I feel like they kind of answer in a similar way where, you know, it just changes, it shifts, you know, sometimes, you know, being the old head isn't the best way, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the old way, sometimes you just have to adopt to a new way.
1: Well, 2020 obviously is a, is such a unique year for, for a lot of reasons by the COVID-19 pandemic hits. And obviously you all kind of play through a pandemic. When you think back on what you all had to do to play in 2020, is there something about that, that you just like shake your head that you're like, man, I can't believe we went through that. Or that that was the hardest part about playing that season.
2: The hardest part was getting tested. I hated getting
1: tested.
2: <laughs> it was we got tested twice a week, maybe three times a week, just depending on when the game was and you know what team it was. Um, you know, not having fans, obviously, in certain stadiums, that was new. You know what I mean? You're so used to having, you know, fans screaming and you're hearing noise. And now you're not hearing anything but grunting and pads colliding, which was, it. you know, it's kind of refreshing in a certain sense, like the first couple of games. But after that, it did get, you know, kind of boring where it's like, you know what I mean? You can't really hear anything. You can't really hear the cheering and, you know, you don't have that, you know, adrenaline pumping like you used to.
1: So you said you hated testing. You you had to do the nasal swab, right? Yeah. That wasn't your thing.
2: Uh, no, nah, it was not my thing.
1: <laughs> Did you any tears? Like what 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 happened when you know? Was it kind of like you know being afraid of a needle? Where you like, oh my goodness, get this get this thing out of my nose?
2: Uh, the first one, yeah, the first one, like I, I had some tears. You know what I mean? And then after that, you kind of get used to it. But then you know, with the nursing, we had like three or four nurses there. Um, they, they would change shifts. So like, you know, you had to pick which one you wanted to go to, you know what I mean? So I had, you know, one lady that I would go to always, cause she always took care of me and she was always very gentle. So that's the person I went
1: to. <laughs> so, so that's the real MVP of that season, right? Oh, it the gentle lady in the COVID test.
2: She was, she had, she had the longest line every time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was it every day you guys were getting tested?
2: Uh, not every day. Um, I want to say it was twice or three times a week. I think they tried. They wanted to do the everyday testing, like when it first came out, but a lot of us were ju- we just weren't there at the time, you know, because you had that two or three months off when COVID hit, um, and then that's when starting, you know, information started flowing in on when we need to test and stuff like that.
1: Even like workout was it was it tough for like if I remember correctly, you guys were like segregated in pods for workouts, right? So it wasn't the whole team. Was that was that tough? Like you're lifting with the same four guys, you can't be near anybody. Like did that kind of kill? a little bit of, you said the word mojo earlier, right? But sometimes in the weight room, it's competitive, right? You see a dude, you know, squat, you know, 325, right? You want to get 350. Was it was it different just being around the same guys every day, doing kind of the same stuff?
2: Yeah, it definitely was, you know what I mean? Um, especially, like, we, we came in in waves. I came in in the first wave, um, so we only had... I want to say maybe 35 people at a time, you know what I mean, trying to work out, trying to get back into conditioning because we just had, you know, two or three months off, you know, then having to clean everything after, you know, the weight room and stuff. Like After using the weight room, um, especially when we're running, you're not allowed to be next to somebody, you know what I mean? You had to have a mask on at certain times or when you're close, you know, closer than six feet. So, you know, trying to like compete is kind of hard when you look over and the guy's, you know, three racks down, you can't see what weight he's doing, <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, it, 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 it was different, you know, but, um, you know, we had fun. We still had fun during it, so.
0: The one game from that season that really drove me nuts was the Memphis game. 50 points. I know it must have drove you nuts as a defensive guy. We got up 50 points that day. I mean, Dylan, I think, accounted for like 700 total yards. We put up 49, and somehow, I know we missed a kick at the end. We, were, we had a chance to, to win it still, but as a defensive guy, how much did that bother you?
2: It bothered me a lot. You know, what I mean, we we never want to have a close scoring game. Um, you know, we want to take the pressure off the offense the best we can. You know what I mean? And it, they they just outperformed us. I mean, I know we missed a kick, but it should never had you know, it should have never came down to just a kick. You know, what I mean, like we, we should have stopped them. That that that's just my opinion.
0: And then later in that year, there's that night where what six, seven guys on defense get in trouble, you know, they get pulled over end up getting kicked off the team. How much did that change everything for the team, and especially the defensive guys in, the, in that defensive room for you going forward for the rest of the year? How, how different was it after that?
2: It was definitely different. Obviously, we lost, you know, some star players, some key players to our defense. Um, you know, Lena, our coach was kind of like, you know, next man up, which is it's a business. You know, it happens. Um, he, he was ha- trying to help them the best he can but you know he always told us that you know this is kind of this is real life you know stuff that, like this happens you just got to keep moving forward we still have a season to continue and the guys aren't going to want you to stop just for them um, talking to them they kind of said the same thing you know they they were sorry that it happened um i don't know the whole story about it you know and i heard there's a video never wa- I didn't watch the video just personally um, i just didn't want to you know get myself involved or not involved but you know get into it i just kind of left it alone you know i told them that i you know if they need anything i'm here for them but um, they were all great guys, great you know, great players. You know I mean? I know, like, you know, Randy, he went to Mississippi State, so it worked out for him. You know, Kenny went to uh, TCU. So a lot of players, they went to, you know, you can consider better places for them. Um, I know Randy, he had a great year. Same thing with Kenny. So, I mean, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And, you know, it happened for a reason. And, and you know, they're all kind of thriving now. So
0: You guys were not supposed to be going out at all, right? Obviously because of the COVID stuff. You can tell us now how much was like every once in a while you guys get out, you go to a bar, you go to a party, yeah. stuff like that.
2: Uh Personally, I don't go out. I, you know, I, I was just never one to go out. I've been, you know, players try to drag me out. I, I just, I'm not in that setting, but yeah, players that go out, you know what I mean? You're, you're in college, you're going to have fun. You know, kids are going to want to go out. They're going to want to hang out. You know, obviously I'm sure they, you know, try to do their best to, you know, keep it safe. You know what I mean? But, you're a college student. You're never going to be a college student again. You want to just go hang out. You want to have fun, especially after a win, you know what I mean, or even after a loss. You just you know, want some company around you to kind of talk and relax, you know.
0: The crazy thing was I think we played our best defensive game of the season like two days later against Houston, right? (laughs) I don't know how to explain that one.
2: Uh, I think everybody was kind of just, you know, I don't want to say angry, but kind of had a chip on the shoulder that, you know, we just lost a couple of players, you know, they're brothers, you know what I mean? Like you never want that to happen. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if they can go back, I'm sure they can try to make different decisions. And I'm sure, you know, coaches can do something different, you know, players that were there can grab them, you know what I mean? It's, it, whatever it may be, you know what I mean? They're, they're all brothers to us no matter what happens, you know what I mean?
1: Anthony, Mike and I actually went down to Boca for the Boca Bowl against BYU, which obviously did, did not go in our, in our favor that day. But when you look back at that 2020 season, was there a sense of just like exhaustion after a while? Like, man, like the, everything we've been through, truncated schedule all the COVID restrictions. Obviously, Mike just talked about some of the internal stuff as that season wore on. Were you all just exhausted? Like, man, just get this season over with already because it'd been such a long mentally and physically exhausting year.
2: I think so, yeah, I, you know, especially with, like, n- there not being, you know, fans involved and, excuse me, having to test so much, you know, you had the internal affairs that were going on and, you know, k- games being canceled, un- the unsure, you know, not being unsure, you know, sorry, excuse me, being unsure, you know, if you could play the games, if you're not playing the games, you know, you know, having to quarantine for a certain amount of days, it, it was mentally and physically exhausting. So I think, you know, BYU was a great team quarterback was really good O-line was really experienced and you know they were just ready and I get, you know we just weren't so
1: yeah I kind of wish we got the Zach Wilson of the Jets not the Zach Wilson that played <laughs> at BYU that night but a lot easier all right but there's like a fan conspiracy theory Anthony and I want you to, to give us your opinion on this a lot a lot of fans outside looking in said obviously when Hypo when got hired the exact same day if people remember Hypel got announced as the head coach Randy Shannon got announced as a defensive coordinator, right? Danny White, the AD at the time, made both those hires concurrently. I don't know if Josh and Randy knew each other. I don't know if Josh picked Randy as a defensive coordinator, right? But there was always conspiracy theories that there was like a split between the team. There was the offensive guys and there was the defensive guys. And essentially, there was a head coach on defense, a head coach on offense. Was that any part of that true based on your experience? Did any part of that actually ring true in terms of what it is that you saw in the locker room, on the field, and practice and all that stuff?
2: I can say yes and no. Um, just because, like, they, you know, as a defensive guy, I hate offensive linemen. I love them, but I hate them. You know, so there, there's a split there where, you know, they win a rep, I'm going to get mad, I'm going to want to fight them. But I'm not going to, depending, maybe, we'll see. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, that, so they, they're, if they're looking at that, then yes, there is a split where I'm a defensive guy. You know what I mean? I want the defense to thrive. You know, I want us to do the best. You know what I mean? I want the offense to do the best when it's game time. But sometimes I'm going to look at them and be like, hey, what are you doing? You know, this, is, this isn't this is you. You know what I mean? Um, as far as coaching, I felt like they were communicating. I felt like they were all around great. You know, they communicate with each other. They might talk crap, you know, in the locker room, in their own locker room, to each other. I wasn't there to kind of, you know, see what was going on. But for the, for the most part, I would say no, that there wasn't really a split. Maybe between players, yeah, they could have been a split, you know what I mean? Because obviously you have DBs and wide receivers. They're always going to be a split there. You know, those guys, they talk of the most, you know what I mean? But when we're in the locker room, we're all family, so.
0: All right, you saw another coaching change, 2021. Gus Malzahn comes in. What's the biggest difference now going from Hypo to Gus? <sighs> um,
2: Gus is very – I want to say he's, he's old school. He's, you know – he he's a, kind of the pound the rock type of guy, you know what I mean? Where he's going to, you know, have a, a dive back and he's just going to keep going. You know, he wants to run the ball. I felt like Hypo, were you kind of more oriented towards the wide receivers um, than Gus? I felt like Gus was more in the run game, but other than that, you know, sorry about that. My dad was calling, oh, you're good. <laughs> but um, yeah, Gus was more oriented around the run game. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, I mean, there's two different personalities, you know, Hypo coming in. um, He was very, you know, talkative and stuff like that, but he was also very quiet. You know what I mean? Like he knew what he had to say. He got out. Gus is very, he's, he could talk, you know, he can, he can put you on a spiel about what he wants getting done. So I feel like that may be a difference there too.
0: (laughs) What about in the defensive room? You go from Randy Shannon, now to Travis Williams, what are the biggest differences between those guys?
2: Oh, man. That's a good one. Uh, Randy Shannon, like I said, you know, hanging nuts out to dry. Um, He he wants the blitz. He wants to go. I feel like, you know, our defense coordinator, he kind of tried to do the same thing, but he was kind of more reservative in certain areas. Um, I felt like we were just a little more aggressive aggressive in 2019 and 2020 um, compared to the 2021 and 2022 season.
0: You think that's a lot to do with personnel or maybe it's just he was trying to implement a new system and maybe things were new to you guys or... Why do you think he did that?
2: I feel like there could be plenty, you know, a plethora of factors that, you know, kind of play into it where we just may have not had the personnel to be as aggressive as he wanted. Um, It could be, you know, it's a new system. So it takes a little bit longer to kind of get used to it. Um, New coaching, obviously. So it's different, you know, methods that they want you to do. Um, So, you know, it could be anything. You would have to ask him, you know, yourself for that one because I couldn't answer for him.
1: 2021 starts off crazy game at boys. He doesn't enter like two in the morning. Right. And then we turn around and we're at Louisville and we've talked to a bunch of guys who played that game and everyone has said they've never seen that many people get injured in one game in their entire life. Right. Obviously a lot of impact on the defensive side of the ball, uh, impact on the line when Ricky Barber goes out. Um, you guys are moving around everywhere, but Louisville just had, I mean, they ran all over that day. What were they doing specifically that they Malik Cunningham may still be running right now. I'm not sure. Um, what were <laughs> they doing specifically that they were able to get gashes on the ground that night?
2: I mean, look, Malik is an athlete. Like, he can move. I mean, you know, obviously they had me play in that game. You know, uh, we just, you know, we had different stuff going on. Um, he, he knew I was playing defensive end. You know what I mean? You got me at 290 playing defensive end. He's going to run my way. They're going to try to do stretch. So the only thing I could do is try to turn, you know, everything back inside and hope, you know, either KD, Ricky, or somebody's there to kind of stop it. You know, KD had a hell of a game. You know what I mean? It, it's just... I couldn't really tell you exactly what was going on, but, the, you know, they, they were just quick. They were fast. They, they're they primarily a stretch team, so I think we just didn't, didn't get used to them running. You know, east and west We're so used to people running north and south that, you know, going against them was just different.
1: So, in that game, why were you moved out to end? What, what specifically kind of had them push you out to the edge on that game?
2: Uh, something happened with one of our defensive ends. Um, I can't remember if it was an injury or... Uh, i I, i'm blanking right now if it was an injury or something else outside of football that happened where you know he just wasn't able to play the first half of the game i wasn't targeting i know that but he just wasn't able to play the first half of the game i think maybe
1: was was it Trayvon morse It may have been may have been dropped wasn't he out for the injury for the first couple of games
2: i think so yeah
1: okay He, was, he, he, had a, he had a thing, as Gus likes to say, whenever somebody has, has a thing, right? Um, and obviously that, that night we, we saw a lot of injuries on offense, too, not the least of which was our quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, who ends up being out for the rest of the season. As a defensive guy now, the offense has changed, right? Mikey Keene comes in. He's a true freshman. And Mikey certainly battled, but, you know, he's a true freshman. He's learning on the on the fly. How did the injuries on offense, Bowser gets dinged up in that game too. How did the injuries on offense change what you guys had to do on defense? Did that sort of make you all have to play different? Did you feel a little bit more pressure to say, okay, now the offense is going to be a little, bit, a little bit stagnant for a while. We got to kind of step our game up.
2: Yeah. So obviously, you know, when you have a true, you know, a freshman coming as a quarterback, no one knows what to expect, um, especially, you know, you start running back goes out. You know, we don't know what to expect with the second or third string. Um, obviously, you know, they did great. You know, what I mean, they did what they could. Um, Defensive wise, we knew like, OK, we kind of have to step it up, especially D-line, you know, D-line were kind of, you know, as a coach, you know, what I mean, and players, we were kind of prideful that. All right. Like we're kind of like big brothers of the team. You know, I know the old line kind of probably felt the same way as being as big brothers that we had to step it up and kind of take over and show everybody, like, listen, we're going to be okay. We're going to be fine. You know what I mean? Obviously, stuff that it, you know, it's football, so, you know, things are going to happen, you know, so you just got to keep pressing forward. But, you know, what I mean, I think they did the best they can. You know, Mike Hickey came in and crushed everything, <laughs> to be honest.
1: I mean, yeah, you guys held your own. I mean, the, the ECU game, the Tulane game, the Cows game late. I mean, we were holding teams under 20 for that, literally that whole second half of the season, right? I mean, you guys definitely stepped up. Not that you didn't play well in the first half, but it felt like there was a little extra energy once the quarterback change was made outside of Navy. We'll get to that in a second. Um, it seemed like there was a little extra energy on the defensive side of the ball. Um, was that something, again, that you and KD and some of the leaders kind of said, hey, look, we, we got we to gotta do this thing. Like, we got we to gotta protect the offense now.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it was the coaches even said to themselves that, you know, we got to protect the offense, you know what I mean? Like we got a freshman coming in, you know what I mean? It's just hard. You don't know what to expect, you know what I mean? Like we, you know, we're brothers, but at the same time, you know, it's like, can you perform, which he did, you know, everybody did. They performed their best. So, you know, once we got comfortable with, okay, yeah, he can perform, you know, we still had that, you know, the pressure was kind of like released a little bit, but, you know, we still played, you know, as, you know, being a protector, I guess, in a sense.
0: The 2021 year is the first year they have the the free transfer. Anybody can come in and out. And Gus brings in some guys that he's coached before, you know, Big Cat. And is there a feeling in the locker room like, oh, he's bringing in his guys? Was there a tough transition or did that actually go kind of smoothly that year?
2: Um, I feel like it went smoothly. Obviously, you know, there, there's going to be, you know, locker room talk. Where, you know, if a coach brings in their guys, they're going to be like, okay, why are they doing that? But, you know, especially in that position, I, I, you know, defensive end, not my position. I'm a defensive tackle. So I'm just worried about the guys in my room. I wasn't worried about Big Cat. You know, not, not, in, I didn't mean that in the rude way, but you know what I mean? Like, he's not in my position. Um, defensive ends, obviously, some of them, they felt a little. You know what I mean? A little concerned, but, you know, it's, you're going to have guys transferring. Even if you go to the NFL, you're going to have guys traded in. They're going to try to take your position. You just got to perform. So, and I think like, as soon as, you know, everybody heard that, they're like, you know what, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that big of a deal, you know?
0: And then in that year, you mentioned them already a couple times, Kalia Davis goes down with that knee injury. Obviously you're close with him. How hard was that to watch happen?
2: It, it sucked, obviously. You know what I mean? What is, I think that was game four. Um, like, just watching it happen, like, you, you, you saw it when he couldn't get up, you know, me, Cam Good, and I think Keenan Hester, we were all kind of standing next to each other, and we all just, you know, looked at each other, and we were all, you know, we were sad that it happened. You know I mean? You never want that to happen, especially to a guy like him. You know, he works hard. He wants to keep moving. He wants to do better. You know what I mean? So just seeing that, and then, you know, he's a, like I said, he's a beast. You know what I mean? He was a key factor to our defense. You know what I mean? Being the guy that can, you know, Create a new line of scrimmage. You don't get those guys very often. You know what I mean? So having him kind of go out, it was like a bit. He was like an empty, empty space there for a little bit. You know what I mean? Where everybody had to step up, but it's kind of hard to step up. You know when he set the bar so high.
1: Well, that season was, was unique too because we actually saw that because they were, has, uh, you guys were on a TV show that year. There was the Our Time TV special. Cameras everywhere. Why didn't we see uh, an Anthony Montalvo episode? We had a Kalia Davis episode. I, I didn't see an Anthony Montalvo episode. Where was your what did next one or did you get cut like what what happened how did you not get more more feature more face time on that
2: honestly i don't even i didn't watch it so i have no clue i didn't know <laughs> if i was even in it i mean i i saw all the cameras you know i'm not a big camera guy you know what i mean so i kind of you know i was there i was in and out you know what i mean i didn't really like show face as much as to the cameras that probably i should have but i mean i don't know that you, you gotta talk to the director i don't know who the director was at you know <laughs>
1: All right, well, I'll, I'll unearth that for you. But so season ends, we have a nice victory against the Gators, right? Obviously, in-state rival, two teams that don't play each other very often, if at all, two fan bases who like to talk, talk a bunch of trash to each other. How satisfying was that win, beating Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl in 2021?
2: It was honestly really satisfying, especially, you know, when you're, you know, we got Twitter, we got social media now. Everybody was downing us. You know what I mean? I don't want to say everybody. You know, the UCF fans, they were, you know, they were in support. But, you know, you have, you know, some people on there that just didn't, you know, believe we could win. So just proving them wrong was kind of like the biggest thing, especially when the players and some of the players were talking and we got that win, you know, you can kind of look at them like, yeah, you know, you can look at the scoreboard now, you know what I mean? But they were all great guys, you know what I mean? Especially, you know, football, you're going to talk trash. You know what I mean? It's going to happen. But, you know, they, they handled it well and, you know, we we walked away with a win. So it felt very satisfying to actually just look at the scoreboard and say, you know, we're, I guess, quote, unquote, the best team in Florida.
1: Well, what, what do you do as soon as that game ends? All of a sudden, we start hearing the excuses. Ah, we didn't have all our guys. Ah, we, didn't, we weren't motivated. What, what did you do as soon as you heard those excuses, like immediately after we win the game?
2: It, it kind of remind me of, like, the, you know, the BYU situation when we lost to BYU. You know, kind of, you know, the, fans are going to make, uh, you know, excuses where, you know, hey, we didn't have our guys. You know, they weren't motivated to play. It, 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 it's football. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you, you, you got to really just watch the film. You know what I mean? You can't just sit there and try to make excuses for it. You know, we won. That's the end of the story. There's nothing else to, you know, kind of tell. Obviously, we could have, uh, you know, did things better. They could have did things better. You know what I mean? But that's in the past. So there's really not much to really talk about.
1: All right. So after that game, you have a decision to make based on the, on the COVID situation, which the, the one I guess positive is, you do have an option to come back for a sixth season at UCF uh, and you decide to do that. What went into that decision for you to come back to UCF this past season?
2: Um, That was just me like kind of looking around. You know, I mean, I wanted to try to go to the NFL draft, but I just felt like I didn't produce enough. I feel like I didn't have enough film to kind of tell the coaches, you know, the scouts like, hey, look at me. Um, You know, I think that's that was the biggest decision was just or the biggest factor was that I just did. I felt personally. I didn't kind of live up to my standards or, you know, be able to tell the scouts, like, you know, I can play in the NFL level. So that's the reason I just wanted to come back and, you know, give it one more shot. You know what I mean? it's it, yeah, when I saw, I'm on scholarship, so it's kind of free, you know what I mean, to kind of come back and just give it a shot again.
1: So what were your goals then coming into the season? What did you want to try to achieve to help get you to that spot where you felt like you had the right tape to be able to go back to NFL scouts?
2: So coach Martin, you know, he's big on statistics, big on, you know, uh, production. Um he kind of had us uh go on the board. You know, we had a picture on the board and we went underneath of it and we kind of had like I want to say three major things and one key objective that we needed. So mine was just, you know, hand placement, foot drive, and then, you know, production, you know, just having the numbers. So that was that was the biggest three things that I had on there and not well, knockback. That was another big thing that I had on there. Um, so, you know, throughout, you know, our film session, he would kind of keep going back and forth. Like, this is what you said at the beginning of the season you wanted to do when you came back, and this is what you, you, you know, you look like on film. So, How
1: would you grade out on, on that at the end of the year? Um, I felt
2: like, you know, I did decent. You know, I had what – I don't know how many tackles I ended with, with this season. Um, I know it was more than last year, so I felt like I did decent tackling-wise. Sacks, obviously – you know, I I wasn't up there with sacks or tackle philosophy, so that's the biggest thing. Um, but I felt like I was, and it was it was an okay year. You know, what I mean, I still have a lot to work on. You know, so just hoping that I can get better in the next couple couple weeks before uh, pro day, just to show the coaches. So
0: the biggest thing going into this past season, everybody was talking about was the quarterback battle. Now, in the preseason, you were playing against these guys in practice every day. We're hearing reports out of practice from different guys who, who they think looks better. In your opinion, who do you think should have been the starting quarterback to start the year?
2: Oof, that, that's hard. That's a hard one. Because, you know, John Rice, he can run. He can move. He's athletic. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, I think Mikey Keene, he just was able to throw the ball. He was able to understand the offense a little bit um, and just able to kind of, you know, dime up the receivers just a little better. So if you want a quarterback that can move, you want John, you know, I think Mikey got more confident with his legs as the, you know, year went on, which was great for him. Um, and I felt like John also improved on his accuracy. So it just depends on what you want. I mean, me personally, you know, with the year we had, I felt like it could have been the right decision. You know, but I was a kind of a big fan of Mikey. I wanted him to kind of get that starting spot, especially what he went through, you know, coming in um, after DG and performing. I felt like he, you know, got better. He could have did, you know, I don't want to say better, but he, you know, he could have did his, you know, thing out there, uh, you know, with us. So,
0: Yeah. I mean, the games we lost, you, you look, and, and the games that he came in a, and, and he won for us. I mean, a lot of people have the same opinion. Um, and the beginning of the season, Okay, we lose the game to Louisville at the beginning. Then we go on, you know, we're playing pretty good football and then East Carolina comes around and you said you mentioned before that Tulsa didn't have our playbook, but there was a rumor about East Carolina. How did they beat us so badly and did you hear the same rumors? Is that true? Did they have our playbook?
2: I've heard the rumor. I don't know if it's true. I hope it's not true. You know, what I mean, you never want that to happen, especially from a guy coming from the inside just to give a, you know, give them the playbook. I, I don't know if it's true. I wish I honestly wish I knew, you know, what I mean, just, you know, kind of, you know, help me out, especially. if it's
1: I, I can give you an update on this one. So we had Ryan Swoboda on the show like a month ago, and he said he was at the, uh, the senior bowl, the NFLPA bowl with some East Carolina guys, including Holt Nailers, and that they swore to him they didn't have our playbook. So, if you believe if Ryan Swoboda is a trusted source in your mind, he says that he was told they did not have the playbook. If you want to believe that, I don't know, but that's what Swoboda was told.
2: I mean, I, listen, I believe it. it's coming from Ryan Swoboda. You know, he's you know, he, he's gonna you know, he's, he's gonna, much
1: bigger than he's much bigger than both of us combined, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <It's>,
2: you, know, <laughs> if, you know, if you know they didn't have that playbook, they just you know, they schemed us up really well. You know, I mean, and I was talking to Coach Martin about it, and you know, some of the defensive coaches, and looking at the game, they did really well. With the halftime adjustments, they did really well scheming us in the first quarter. You know, they took the D-tackles, you know, out of the game completely. So, you know, especially, you know, when we got tired, they tried to run up the middle. It worked here and there. Sometimes it didn't work, but, you know, I think they did really well. Especially, on you know, their defensive side of the ball. I mean, they played outstanding on the defense side. So, you know, you got to give them props for doing that.
1: Well, after that, we roll off three nice wins, Cincinnati, Memphis, and Tulane. We went at two Tulane, obviously, and, and and I think people thought they were gonna they were gonna beat us. I think they were seventeen, we were twenty two at the time, so it was a quote unquote upset. You mentioned Cincinnati earlier; they had your number the last couple of years, right? You beat them in seventeen and eighteen, but they got you in nineteen, twenty, and twenty one. Of those three games, which one of those wins was the most satisfying for you?
2: Shoot, probably Cincy, Cincy. Yeah, you know, I I, I just you know nothing against Cincy. I just enjoy beating Cincy you know what i mean it, it, it like especially since you know they beat me three years in a row <laughs> i really wanted to win against cincy so like that that's the biggest thing
1: you can tell us now you, you were annoyed by that luke fickle shirt that's a team on the back right that was annoying to you as well w- what shirt luke fickle always had a shirt that said team on the back whenever he was like walking the sideline that was his big thing his shirt always said team t-e-a-m together everyone achieves more that annoyed you or no
2: I honestly didn't see it. I'm not going to lie to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, it annoyed me. Um, and then what also annoyed me, Anthony, then is the next game, we, go, we have Navy, right? And I get Navy is a, is a unique team. They, they run a unique offense. It was an 11 a.m. start time, which is probably a little bit different for everybody. How difficult is it to play Navy? They got us two years in a row. And in this one, you know, it seemed like they were just able to move the ball on, on offense. How difficult is it as a defensive guy, particularly as a lineman? Because you're going to be in there now, right? How difficult is it to prepare for Navy?
2: it's, it's, you know, simple, not easy. Um, it's all about discipline. Navy's all about different you know, discipline. They're a triple option team. You know what I mean? They have different ways to run the ball as a D lineman. We just had to prepare for the cut blocks. I mean, we, I got cut so many times, especially my, you know, like my first time playing Navy, I think I got cut 14 times where I was on the ground. The second year I was a little more prepared because I understood the speed. I understood how they got a cut block. Um, so it was a little bit better, but, you know, it, it's just hard. You know what I mean? As a defensive lineman, there's only so much I can do, only so much we can do, especially, like, you know, if they if they get a good cup lock on us, that's a seam right there. So, it, it's just, like, it's hard to really play them. Like, it may look easy, you know what I mean? Like, oh, let's just, just to defeat the cup lock, you know, squeeze down the line, and you can make tackle. When that guy is torpedoing his helmet at your knee, and he gets the right angle, and you go flying, they, there's nothing you can really do but try to get up as fast as you can. So, Um, You know, I know the rules kind of the cut block rules kind of changed where it could only be inside the box. So that changed, obviously, you know, that 2020 year or was it 2021 2021 year when we played them, um, they can actually cut outside the box. So that that was a big factor for our DBs and linebackers.
1: So how, how, I mean, again, we have everything in front of us, right? We're coming off a nice win against Tulane. Basically, we win, and we are in the, uh, the New York Six game, right, at that point, right? We, have, we are the inside track. Your last year at UCF, you've been fighting hard to get back to the mountaintop. How pissed off were you after that game kind of realizing, or I guess when did it hit you that you were like, oh, my goodness, like, we were right there, and it's, it's now it's going to be a lot harder? When did that kind of hit you, and how pissed off did that sort of make you?
2: You're talking about after the Tulane game?
1: After the Navy game.
2: Uh, After the Navy game. I mean, losing always sucks. You know, I know, like, after the Navy game, you know, we lost. We still had some hope, obviously, if certain teams lost. um, You know, I think it was what? I think it had to be between Cincy and Tulane. I think it was right, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, it, it, it sucked, obviously. You know, I mean, I know after the Navy game, like, a lot of guys were emotional. You know, I was emotional. You know, I mean, losing. It, it, it's 11 a.m. You know, start. So we got done maybe at like you know 1:30. So I had all day to kind of sit there and contemplate. Tell
1: me about it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that that was the worst. Like if it was later at night, I, I think I probably would have got over it a little bit faster. But since I had all day, I was just kind of laying in my room, hurting. You know, my knees hurting from getting cut so much, and then like they, you know, they kind of lost. You know, what I mean, they obviously they're a great team. They're very disciplined, but losing and then getting off that New York, you know that, you know, bowl game, it, it you know, it's hard to kind of explain. You know what I mean? D-
1: did that 11 a.m. start have anything to do with it? I know it was a really early time. Did it have any factor at all, do you think?
2: Um, it might have. You know, I mean, you like you know, I was making you know jokes with my coaches and you know, jokes with the players. You know, I mean, like it was eleven a.m. You know, which we're not used to, but those guys are you know jumping off a plane at six a.m. in the morning. You know, they're they're kind of you know ready for it every day. You know, obviously, you know that's probably not what they're doing, but you know, we kind of make jokes like that just to lighten up the mood. But you know, yeah, it was it could have played a factor into it.
0: Well, we still had everything in front of us, even with the loss. It wasn't going to be at home, but we played in a championship game anyway in Tulane. You, you kind of mentioned it. I mean, I know you said you wanted Mikey to be the quarterback. He didn't show up for that game. I mean, some guys say they understand the decision, this and that. To me, it's a championship game. I think he should be playing. What, what do you think about that?
2: I I really don't know. Um, it, like college is becoming more of a business like, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of adopting the nfl ways you know so it's kind of hard to kind of wrap my mind around it sometimes you know it's confusing what people are thinking you know i i really didn't talk to mikey too much you know i mean we had our interactions in the locker room and that was it we kept it simple so i wasn't like you know a really close friend with him you would probably have to go talk to somebody that was really close to him to understand what he was thinking at the time but you know i you know if he i think he i think that was his red shirt right if he would he would burn his red shirt so you know this is my opinion you know if i'm you know not really playing this year and we're at the championship game it's the last game you know i mean like i would want to play but if my coach is kind of telling me like hey we're probably not going to put you in then you know there's no point in kind of dressing out you can just kind of sit in there you know i mean doing nothing and just looking pretty but i don't know what the conversation was between him and gus don't know the conversation was you know what he was kind of thinking so yeah, I wish I knew, but, you know, things happen. You know what I mean? So I just – I guess it worked out for the best for him now. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And then, I mean, so we didn't play our best game against Navy. We started out great against South Florida, and then we saw how that game, and it comes down to the wire. We don't play great against win in the championship game, and then we go play Duke in the bowl game, and it seemed like another kind of a letdown game. What, what kind of happened there at the end of the year? Was it just injuries? Was it just guys, you know, worn down or – why did the season end kind of just with a thud, really?
2: Uh, you know, the season, you know, it's kind of hard to end the season off, you know, really well. You know I mean? You have so many games where guys are beat up, they're injured, you know, it gets kind of shaky towards the end, and you really have to push through as a team and as a person. You know, you get tired. You know what I mean? Like, stuff happens. Um, I think that's probably what kind of played in is that, you know, some players, some people, some coaches, you know, some things just got tiring, mentally exhausting. Um Duke was, you know, they're a really good team. I mean, that right tackle, like, he, he's an NFL-caliber tackle. So it was kind of hard. They played really well. They were really experienced in the old line wise um, But, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? they, I guess they just prepared very well, you know, better than we did, you know, during for the bowl game. Um, USF always comes down, for some reason, to the wire. I don't know why. You know what I mean? Even though we're kind of the better team. You know, i want to say kind of, we are the better team. Um, it, it always comes down to the wire. I don't, I don't know why. I, I, it's a rivalry. So, every guy, you know, everybody's amped up. You know, mistakes happen when you're amped up like that. You know, great plays happen when you're amped up like that. You know what I mean? So, it, it just, I don't know. It's hard to explain that one.
0: There was a couple of years we beat them by four touchdowns, and 18 and 19, we beat them, you know, pretty handily. But yeah, yeah 20, 21, 20, <laughs> they've <laughs> all been close. Yeah. Um, but what was it like for you after the bowl game? Taking the jersey off for the last time. You know, this is it. There's no seventh year, right? You can't come back. Yeah.
2: It was emotional. Um, especially like I didn't want to lose, you know, leaving out. You know what I mean? I, I, I kind of was, you know, pissy on the sidelines, you know, when they were just, you know, kept scoring and we couldn't really do anything on offense. You know what I mean? You know, I had a couple of the D linemen, you know, the young guys come up to me and they were apologizing. You know what I mean? Like, hey, sorry that we couldn't do this for you. Uh, it wasn't, you know, necessarily their fault or the coaches' fault. I had the coaches do the same thing because Gus came out to me and apologized um you know a lot of the older guys were you know we were kind of pissed off in a sense you know i mean emotional and then it hits you in the locker room where you're taking off your shoulder pads for the last time like well you know i went out on a loss which sucks but now excuse me um it's on to you know the next kind of chapter um and kind of look around the locker room and seeing like you know all the guys that you've been you know practicing with you know messing around with and stuff like that you know just having fun with is you know kind of dissipating you know in, in a sense where it's kind of vanishing where you know now it's time to move on to being you know individualized
1: well, you mentioned it. It's college football. It's 2022. There, There's no shortage of change of weird things happening. Uh, how surprised were you, uh, or or maybe not at all. I don't know. When you saw some of your teammates transfer out, right? You saw a bunch of guys decide to hop in the portal. Obviously on offense, you lose Ryan O'Keefe. We kind of knew Mikey was going defense. JJB goes um, um, Brown goes right. And then the surprise of everybody, Matt Lee decides to leave as well. How, how surprised were you, as you kind of hear your teammates names in the portal or you don't have to name the guy if you'd want to, or were you kind of like, oh yeah, I kind of knew that was coming or, oh yeah, I, I kind of figured that was coming. Like, do you, are, are they surprises for you? Just like there's surprises for us.
2: Uh, some of them. Yeah. You know, like I'm not gonna lie. Matt Lee was really sur- I was a surprise. You know, what I mean, like I wasn't expecting that, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, he, he's a great center, you know, I mean? so I don't, Don't know what happened there. Um, But other guys, you know, it was kind of like, you know, foretold that they were going to transfer. You know what I mean? Especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like, we knew who was going to transfer. You know, there's locker room talk. You know what I mean? We're all close. So, you know, we all talk to each other either about transferring or stuff like that. So, you know, as, you know, football is kind of like an emotional game. You know what I mean? Especially when you grow, you know, close to somebody. You know what I mean? Like, you you just open up to them and you're able to talk. So, we we knew who was going to transfer at certain points in time
1: how how hard is that though like you know a guy you're playing with is like hey man after this year i'm I'm out of here how, like how how do you like deal with that is it where you respect their decision or are you kind of like hey man don't do that stay here with us like do you kind of go into hey man no you gotta you gotta be here like how do you handle when you kind of hear a guy say hey i think this is it for me
2: i mean you kind of respect their decision you know what i mean so certain people you know you can kind of talk to and be like hey like why are you leaving you know what i mean like let's try to figure it out a little bit but certain guys you're just like you know I understand your decision. I understand why you're leaving. You know, I wish you the best. And you just watch them, you know, transfer. Um, it just depends on the person. You know what I mean? It doesn't really... It's not based on the skill level. You know what I mean? it's literally just depends on the person. You know, sometimes you can see, like, you know what? I would be in the same shoe. I would do the same thing you're doing if I was in your shoes. so...
1: What what are the common reasons that you hear? You don't have to name anybody's name specifically, but you know, is it nil money, right? Is obviously that's an opportunity now. Is it is it playing time? Is it scheme? Is it trying to maybe get to a bigger stage to get your name out there? What are kind of the common reasons you hear from guys when they say they're leaving?
2: So I mean, it just depends. I mean, nil that's that's playing a factor now. Um, you know, you would you kind of you know wouldn't expect that, but you know, it's playing a factor now where guys are transferring just because they're getting some nils. Um, like you said, it is scheme. You know, they just don't like the scheme. They may, you know, it could be they don't like the players. You know, it could be that um, I've heard other reasons where, you know, people have to go back home just because, you know, either their mom or dad or something's going on in their family. They, they just have to go back home and they're transferring closer to their home just to be with their family. You know, so it, there's a lot of reasons that people transfer. Sometimes they just transfer just because they feel they don't fit in the system. Um, they feel kind of like an outcast. You know what I mean? So it, it there's so many reasons, you know, what I mean, now that why people transfer and especially with the new rule that was set in where you could just come in immediately. It just kind of opened up more opportunities for people.
1: Well, one other change, obviously, that you know really well. So I'm curious to get your, your take on this. Obviously, Travis Williams moves on, goes to Arkansas. Addison Williams now becomes defensive coordinator. Obviously, he was on staff. He was on the defensive staff. What can we expect? What can you tell us about Addison Williams? Do you expect him to do anything differently on defense than you saw from Travis Williams?
2: Um. Yeah, he's his own person. You know what I mean. So I think he's gonna do really well. Um, in this upcoming you know season, um, he was a he was a big schemer. You know what I mean. Like he knows how to scheme the ball. Same thing with you know Travis, uh, excuse me, Coach Williams. I don't want to call him by his first name. Um, but you know, uh, it, it, I think to ex- we can expect a little more you know coming out of the db room especially with him being a db coach i feel like he might be a little bit more oriented around the db room but he understands d line so i feel like he might be able to kind of give certain calls that will help out the d line so i feel like it's going to be a, a a good year for them and some trickery might be happening you know on the defensive side i i haven't seen the playbook you know what i mean i only got to experience you know with duke just a little bit you know so i think i think they'll do well
1: can we? Are we going to get back to the let your let your nuts hang defense? You think? Or are we? Are we? Are we keeping our nuts in? What do you think?
2: I, I think. I think he could get there. You know, what I mean, especially okay. with the line he has now, the linebackers he's getting, you know, the DBs that you know are transferring and stuff like that. I think we could kind of rotate back to that.
1: When you when you hear hype, uh, obviously you saw a little bit. When a weird rule, I didn't know it was even our thing. By the way, John Walker, who was obviously a signee, actually practiced with you all. I didn't know that was a rule, apparently. But hey, what are you gonna do? And obviously, you're a D lineman. You got to play a little bit with him. Everyone says he's obviously a really talented kid. What did you see out of your time when you had a chance to practice with John Walker?
2: I didn't I didn't know that was a rule until he showed up to practice, and I was like, I, I'm kind of confused. You know what I mean? I was like,
1: <laughs> uh, hey, who's the new guy? <laughs>
2: Um, he he is very skilled you know like we we were doing some drills and just watching him like he's very explosive he has great hands he has a great first punch I mean so he's gonna be you know kind of a game changer you know him and Ricky Barber in there you know I mean I think those two are gonna be real you know and same thing with Lee and Matt those guys you know being under coach Martin and having time I think those that the D-line is gonna be a game changer this year
0: Anthony, what's next for you? You've been in college for six years. First of all, what did you study? Did you get your master's? What degree are we on? Are you a doctor now? <laughs> and uh, what are your plans now?
2: I wish I was a doctor, but no. Um, I got my master's in uh, interdisciplinary studies, which allowed me to grab kinesiology and entrepreneurship, and for them into kind of one major. Uh, my undergrad was sports and exercise science.
0: Cool. So, are you planning right now? You're still working towards the draft. Is that the plan? And then, yeah, go right. Ahead.
2: I'm training back at UCF, actually, with one of the strength coaches um, and uh, just training for Pro Day on March 29th and, you know, taking a shot there, you know, and just seeing what happens.
1: All right. You got any, you got any feedback from scouts, anybody who's kind of seen your team? anything that you're kind of hearing about so far, the draft process for you?
2: As, you know, like during my training, no, I haven't really heard too much. I know during the season, you know, I had, you know, little chirps here and there. Um, you know certain teams either asking about my name or who am I um, you know I know I had an XFL team AFL team NFL team that you know kind of just was just wondering who I was and you know stuff like that but nothing like solid enough to really say honestly
1: is that is that on the table so if XFL or USFL calls is that something's on the table for you that you'd consider playing in one of those leagues
2: for sure, I, I love playing football. You know what I mean. Like, if they give me a chance, I'll go play for them. You know what I mean. If NFL doesn't work out, you know you have the other leagues. I would love to go play over there. You know what I mean. So I'm I'm open to kind of you know everything. Um, I'm not you might really... want
1: to you might want to suit up. The Guardians are pretty bad in the XFL. They could probably use you right now, <laughs> Anthony. I don't know if you got pads nearby, but you may want to make <laughs> a, a drive down to Camping World. I think they need some help down there.
2: You're not the you're the first you're not the first person that's told me that. I was actually training with my coach. and He kind of told me the same thing. And you know, I might text my agent and let them know, like, hey, if the XFL needs to, you know, a deadline yeah. right here,
1: <laughs> get a couple weeks of game checks, right? Go try for the NFL. It seems like a win-win for you. But uh, you've been really generous with your time. But we have to, we have to wrap up things here with our usual style, which is rapid-fire questions. Could be random questions about music, movies, sports, food. You never know what you can get, right? So, here's my first one for you: If UCF football last year was going to put on a talent show, and you had to perform, what would you do? What would your talent be in the talent show?
2: Dang, I, I would try to dance. I think I would try to dance. I can't dance, so it'd be okay. more of more of like a funny skit. You know, what I mean, like I, I would just try to make them, you know, laugh. But that what was, kind of
1: dance are we? Are we doing the sprinkler? What What are we doing here?
2: I don't know. Sprinkler, crayon. I'm pulling out everything in the books, everything I can.
1: Wasn't I saw Was it Coach Hand who did the worm in in the meeting room? He did it pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay.
2: Yeah, but I could try.
1: That's a high bar. If you ha- if you lose the coach hand, I'm just telling you, it's, it feels like a high bar. You might want to pick another dance. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
0: All right. You mentioned you're a New York guy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Baseball season starting now. What's your team, Yankees or Mets?
2: Oh, man. I'm not a big baseball fan. Um, I'd rather play it than watch it, honestly. I'm kind of like that with all sports. Uh, I would have to say Yankees, though.
0: What about football? Did you grow up as a Giants fan, Jets fan?
2: Yeah, Giants fan, Giants fan.
0: All right, you're just like me. I'm a Yankees Giants guy, too. Okay. <laughs>
2: there you go.
1: Right answers. All right, Anthony, we got to see you a lot this year. You were at a lot of press conferences. You got to, to go out and talk to the media a bunch. Um, how many times did you lie at press conference? Because they ask you questions, and you can't give the answer, right? So how many times did you have to lie this year at the press conference?
2: I, I couldn't tell you how many times I had to count. I mean, I wouldn't say I, I would lie fully. Maybe I extended the truth or twist the truth just a little bit or kind of like you know beat around the bush. But uh, it was a handful of times that I had to.
1: Now, do you do you know that coming in like okay they're gonna do you rehearse this stuff like hey you're gonna ask me about the quarterback so I gotta be like hey both guys are looking great we really want to like do you rehearse it going in like the day before you're like oh man I got pressure tomorrow do you try to rehearse your answers?
2: Uh No, there's no there's no really rehearsal. I mean, if there is like you know whether it's an injury or like you know the you know quarterbacks they might tell you hey listen they're probably gonna ask you this just prepare your answer for anything but that that's pretty much it um but sometimes you know questions can throw you off you know what i mean and i kind of you know just had to beat around the bushes a little bit and make it sound you know pretty you know what i mean because you know you, you it you know i want to what's
1: what's the worst thing that would happen though? let's say somebody let's say Trace stroko was like hey uh anthony uh quarterback this week who's starting and you're like yeah mikey keen like would you have been in trouble would you have been benched like what's the worst that would have happened if you gave the truth
2: uh, get, I mean the worst that could happen is probably me not being seen at press conferences. And- <laughs> 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 Which could be
1: a win-win for you, right? It could be a win-win, right? It, it,
2: it could be a win-win. Um, if you want to get your name out there, you have to be at press conferences and stuff like that. But you know, certain you know, if you if you tell the truth or you're just too quick with it sometimes, they they may look at you like, yeah, we're not we're not using him anymore. <laughs>
1: okay. that, that explains a lot, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. We mentioned you played under three head coaches, Frost, Hypel, Gus. You know the game. F Mary Kill. Let's call it Bench Start Cut. Who are you benching? Who are you starting? Who are you cutting? Bench Start Cut.
2: Oh man. Um Yikes. Uh all right, I'm starting Coach Frost. I'm benching Coach Triple And I'm gonna have to cut Coach Malzahn. <laughs> oh <Wow. laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: uh,
1: luckily we didn't get the we didn't get the press conference lies right there okay anthony i did i did my research that 2019 d line team there are five freshmen devontae bryant ike walker randy charlton landon woodson tyrese black landon woodson's like an altar boy there's no way he was getting in trouble so i'm 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 taking him out of the, out of the running right now the other four i the other four i don't know really well i'm gonna go randy charlton was the one getting in trouble you don't have to answer or confirm i'm gonna go randy charlton was the <laughs> troublemaker <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he wasn't. Okay. A, he was. He was a class clown. You know, what I mean, he was. He was a funny guy. But you know, when it was time to work, he was there. Um, and when you say when I when I say getting in trouble, it wasn't anything bad. Obviously, yeah, sure. It was you know messing around, having fun. You know, as a freshman, you know De- Devontae Bryant was the same thing. You know, he was a basketball guy. He, you know, j- those guys are just funny. You know, what I mean, they weren't bad kids. They didn't do anything stupid or get into any fights or anything like that. It was just kind of, you know, where, you know, in the classroom where you know they might maybe talking a little too much. That's it. You know,
1: all I knew is it wasn't Landon Woodson, because I was, I was I was DMing with Landon recently. He was going to come on the show and he was like, hey, I can't make it the next couple of weeks. I started a new job and I want to make sure I do a really good job and have a good impression. And I was like, there's no way this guy was goofing off in any meeting room if he's taking his job that seriously.
2: I mean, you'd be surprised. Landon, Landon is full of surprises. Landon is full of. Surprise.
1: Okay, all right. Um, you know what? If he comes on, I'm going to tell him that uh, Montalvo said he was full of surprises. Let's see what we get.
0: <laughs> all right, I think we're going to put this video out too. But for most people listening, they're just listening on on you know the podcast. They don't see what I'm looking at right now. This guy is built like the freaking Michelin man. Your shoulders <laughs> are are ginormous. What, what, what's your favorite lift? In the weight in the weight room, what what's your favorite exercise to do?
2: Now, I would have to say, squ- I, I I'm starting to find a love for squats. Um, before, it used to be bench press. You know, I used to love bench pressing, but now I'm kind of finding you know my way around the squat bar. So,
0: I need numbers. What what are you putting up on the bench? What are you putting up with squat?
2: Shoot, man, I, we don't really max out um, too much. But the last time I went and benched, or I tried to max out, I did four or five pretty easily on bench um now i'm not sure what i can do squat i'm probably maybe 500 525 you know what i mean we don't right now for like our training is all velocity based so it's not too heavy it's just moving the bar quickly
0: but for the like the pro day do you guys have to do the 225 for how many reps yeah. how many yeah. how many times do you do 225
2: i hit it last time with 25 not really happy with that i wanted to try to hit it for 30
0: all right that's enough uh,
1: I said on the intro, Anthony, you played like multiple games with a with a full club on your hand. They literally like put a cast over your entire hand. How does one play defensive line, defensive tackle, battling all the with with like a club? Are, is it a weapon at that point? Like how do you how do you function with a club?
2: It can be. You know, you, I learned to make it a weapon. Um, it kind of gave me a little bit more of extension. You know what I mean? Just because it kind of bulged out. You know, my hand was in a fist. You know, so the padding bows out a little bit so it gave me a couple inches to press the offensive lineman off me um especially when their hands are on me and they got me locked up i can use it to kind of smack it down there was there, there's padding that's over it the cast so it's not very it's not solid it is soft but you know what i mean you know it does still hurt sometimes when you hit them in the right area
1: did you ever want to take a swing and one of your teammates with that thing on uh, in practice ice did you wear it during practice and if so it was you know, boat ever going to catch, uh, catch a right hook from you in the neck there with the uh, the, the, the ball cast there?
2: Yeah, Me and Swoboda would always mess around. You know what I mean? He would always try to grab the club, you know, as I'm trying to go past him. So, you <laughs> know, sometimes, you know, I did kind of want to, you know, hit him over the head with it just a little bit. I, personally, I just wanted to see if I could break the cast if I hit somebody with it. So that, that was it, you know. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My daughter's trying to get me to take her to the Taylor Swift concert in a couple months. Are you a Swifty? How many Taylor Swift songs can you name right now off the top of your head
2: not a taylor swift fan probably couldn't name any to be honest i mean i probably heard a lot i just not a very big taylor swift fan all
1: right <laughs> what's, what's your pregame music of choice the, the 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 music that you would listen to to get yourself ready for a game
2: I, last year i tried doing like hip-hop and rap um this year was more rock music so you know you had chop suey chop suey papa roach you know disturbed stuff like that you know
1: Wow, dark places. I, I like that. I like that.
0: <laughs> all right. Going back to New York, what's the – well, first of all, when did you – you were all through high school, yeah?
2: No. So I, nope. I lived at Long Island when I was three.
0: And that's it? So you've been – after that, where did you live? Tampa. Oh, so you're not even that much of a New York guy. I was yeah. going to ask wow. you about your favorite people. Wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> My family lived there most of their life. Um, after 9-11 happened, we moved um, to Tampa, so –
0: Okay, Um, All right. Well, forget my pizza questions. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a food recommendation over in Tampa. Where's your hangout spot over there?
2: Oh, man. I mean, high school was Steak and Shake. You know, after every game, we went to Steak and Shake and just got a milkshake and some burgers. You know what I mean? Um, There is an all you can eat sushi place in Tampa that I just recently went to. And I was honestly really good. Uh, I can't remember the name. My girl took me there. Um, she she's a big sushi fan if I can find the name I will definitely text you her name though
1: all right we'll take it all right anyone who's ever uh, attended UCF knows that parking is not always fun at UCF and uh, the parking patrol is out there so if, if I said the number four and a half over under parking tickets from Anthony Montalvo I'm gonna take the over <laughs> am I right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes
2: definitely I think I had I, I I didn't have as many I'll say maybe seven Seven okay. at most. My six, how, seven.
1: How did it keep happening? Were we be in the same spot every time? Like, walk me through how you kept getting the ticket.
2: I, I would go to different spots and they would just find me. Like I, <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like I, it, and they would always go during times where I'm at practice. You know what I mean? I know there was one time where I was walking to my car and they were they were walking next to me and gave me a ticket as I was getting to my car. And I was like, I, I'm about to move. Like, <laughs> just give me a second, you know?
1: So you, you just can't escape them. That's that's pretty ballsy. You're 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 a pretty big fellow, like Mike mentioned. That's a pretty that's a pretty ballsy move by the parking patrol. I, I think I'd let you skate on that one if that was me. <laughs>
2: yeah, they 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 saw it, and you know they they were like, yeah, you know you don't have a parking pass, or like you're parked in the wrong area. You got to get a ticket. You know I'm not a very controversial, controversial guy. You know I'm not gonna you know try to do anything. So I just I accepted it. And, you know I paid the ticket. So
0: that doesn't happen to Mackenzie Milton, right? He, <laughs> nobody's <laughs> giving him a ticket. Basically. I don't know.
2: I don't know. They probably got him a couple times. Like they don't, they don't <laughs> care who you are. They, they're <laughs> there to give you a ticket.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Superpower. If you had to pick one, what would it be?
2: Super strength. I've always loved the Hulk. Always You're always. already
0: super strength. We already I, talking about the numbers.
2: I mean, that, those those are average numbers for, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't even say average. You know, you got Aaron Donald. You got other guys that are doing so much more than, you know, what I'm doing. So, for me, it would definitely be like super strength.
1: All right, last one for you. Name one guy in the team that you could absolutely beat in a foot race in a forty yard dash. Who is one guy that you're dusting every single time?
2: Oh do I wanna go Do I wanna start something or do I wanna actually like, you know? Cause I always, I always compete with Sam Jackson and I want to see Sam Jackson, but I heard he got a lot faster, you know, doing his pro day trading. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of iffy now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you want to call him out, but you kind of don't want to call. All right. All right. So it's a light call out, maybe Sam Jackson. Okay. (laughs) Is there somebody that anybody else that, you know, you can beat? like, you don't even have to train. You can just get out there right now and you're always going to be faster than that person.
2: Josh Cox, you know, I, you know, I can beat him anytime. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm not even gonna say anything. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep it at that.
1: What about <laughs> like the kickers and punters? You, you can't beat Colton Boomer?
2: I, I ain't gonna lie, he's pretty fast. I didn't realize how fast he was until he did a fake, and like I saw him running around the corner. And I'm like, I don't know if I can catch him right now, you know?
0: <laughs> okay, so, he looks right. like he'd be quick. Yeah,
2: he's got the other, you know, Alex Vory, the long snapper. You know, I've been training with him, he's gotten a lot faster. Um, I'm trying to think of the other Andrew Osteen, I could definitely beat. You know, I mean he's he's actually yeah. in the five ten five, no. Maybe in a forty and long distance I could probably get him. But he's he has some acceleration to him.
1: I like how you've thought this out, and <laughs> you've prepared an answer on who you may or may not want to call on. Anthony, man, we appreciate you hopping. I know it's been uh, it's been a, about an hour or so here, or so thanks for being generous with your time. Thanks for spending some time walking down memory lane with us. Definitely enjoyed your career at UCF, man. So glad that you uh, you wore the black and gold, and that we all share a degree from the same place. You've been a great representative for Night Nation, man. And I know a bunch of people are rooting for you. Hopefully, to do well in your pro day and get an opportunity at the next level, whatever that looks like for you. So, if not, hopefully, we'll see you around campus. Maybe we'll see you around for a couple games in the next couple years man but thanks a lot for hopping in man be well and uh, go Knights thank you Go nice.
2: charge on
0: I'm John Rice Plumley. thanks for watching the Suns UCF